1: And not to it, but to do it, brother. Let's roll.
2: In a world
3: where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers
2: Podcast.
4: What's up, Panther fans? Take a seat on the longest-running Panthers podcast around. It's episode number two, season 11, Franchise Tag. The NFL Combine is it, and this is the place to be to chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. I do it each and every week with my homeboys, Cody Lack. We've got a lot of fun things to talk about from a lot of cool information coming about this coaching staff in the Frank Reich presser. We get to hear the smartest man in the building, Jim Caldwell, talking today. And uh, we also got the NFL Combine approaching. Talk about the Panthers trading up potentially to number one, who will fall to them at number nine. And news around the league, no one better to hang out with than my wheel man. Cody Lack, how are you? Tony Dunn, I'm good, man. Listen, you know I love the Underwear Olympics.
1: This is where we find out how fast they run, how high they jump, and how athletic they're going to be in a Panthers uniform. But listen, we had a Frank Wright press conference today, and there were a ton of golden nuggets that he delivered about the coaching staff, about who's going to call plays, about whether or not we're going to be a 3-4 defense. Jim Caldwell spoke today. Tony, there's so much to get into, but you already know, we're going to spend tonight with the best damn Panther fans in all of YouTube. You already know them and love them. We got Adam Sanders. We got our boy Drew. What's up, Drew? Algernon Ramsor, Joey the Blind Panther, D's Ill Skills, Grim Reaper, John B. Jenkins, Legacy Lynn. What's up, Lynn? Smells Like Blue and Tim Estes. Tony Dunn, and nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's
4: roll. The number's 252-228-5098. We want to get your thoughts on today's uh, press conferences by Frank Wright as well as Jim Caldwell, uh, kind of the news that's coming up and surrounding this team around the league. And uh, anything that you want to talk about on the show by fans for fans, the number's 252-228-5098. CK um i guess this is i mean the baby you got a baby on the way we've got sure. some draft picks on the way this year and the NFL combine is going to start on Tuesday well i think they arrive on Sunday and it'll be kicking off by Thursday
5: dude it's um it's going to start accelerating and then it's going to be a dead period for uh, a couple of uh, a couple of months but man we're going to we're going to obviously sit here every week and and absorb the uh the NFL news coming out from free agency to the combine to the uh to the draft man it's going to be a lot to talk about but uh, we still have some good stuff to talk about tonight uh, a lot of things that have happened over the past week um and i think it's worth uh worth uh you know a, a good long show to
4: talk about these coaches man and the last of us Greg the host of the Geeks Chasing Squirrels through the Multiverse podcast I'm nerding out over uh, Wolfpack right now is my show on Paramount Plus that I'm digging into um, the last of us. But you're not the least of us, my friend. I appreciate it, man. That means a lot.
6: Um, Look, we got this combine coming up and I'm just not a believer In the Combine, the Combine doesn't really do anything for me other than give me a little bit of entertainment to watch, but it doesn't convince me or make me change my opinion on a player. It may made me see, like, wow, okay, that guy was faster than I thought, faster than I've heard. Once again, this is not a game. It's not a game-type situation. It's not anything. I was about to say, it it is a game, actually. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a game. (laughs) So, I mean, while I'm excited to hear the news and see the stuff, and, of course, hear the hype, and I love the most hearing how much people rise and fall after the Combine, uh, it just doesn't mean
4: that much to me. Yeah, overall. Yeah, uh, dude, I'm with you in so many ways. Is uh, I've I've come to the opinion this that the NFL combine should verify the things we see on tape, not overturn them in a way. And what I mean is that if you see a guy that struggles in game, but then he has all the measurables then that should not rid, you know, you can't fall in love with that. But then when you see guys who have these attributes on the field and they're reinforced by their performance in the combine, I think that's where the real proof in the pudding is. As well as this, is the combine's great for the guys that are bubble dudes trying to climb, right? But there's always going to be a darling. Go ahead and mark it down. There's going to be a quarterback that climbs the ranks this year There's going to be a wide receiver that runs so fast and jumps so high or an offensive lineman. Something is this is always a time for guys to raise their stock if it's not at the top already. Um, But it's still fun. What's fun about it is this is um, Cody Lack gets a Chuba over it. That's where we find people like Chuba Hubbard and learn about that. Uh, But it does give us some things to talk about. It gives us uh, some access to guys. That really, some of us that aren't following all the time. Uh, So we'll be kind of previewing. We've got Jake Deloney next week, and uh, he's going to come on at 9.30 on Tuesday night and help us preview this combine. Uh, So we'll get into that. The other thing is this, franchise tag, you're it. I think the opportunity to issue the franchise tag started today at 4 p.m., I believe. Uh, not a lot of names on the list for the Carolina Panthers of people that we would right. want to do it. But there is one maybe and some news surrounding some other players throughout the league. So we'd love to get your thoughts, get in the chat, jump into it, uh, be a part of the show. Help us get to 5,000 subscribers. We're like 17 away. We're there, folks. The Longest Running Panthers podcast is here for you each and every Tuesday. And now Cody and I have launched a new series, if you haven't heard about it, convince me to care where cody lack tries to convince me to care about one of these draft picks he did a pretty good job last night i will say that tyree wilson more interesting to me than the first guy who have already put mike i already put him out of my head these tight ends and this oh come on we need this a tight end care 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 uh oh And I hope you don't care about mock drafts because Daniel Jeremiah set the world on fire today for Panther fans. And boy, he had he was even he was
1: even responding
4: to people, man.
1: He was the Panther fans on Twitter. Dude, trust me, we go fucking crazy sometimes, you know.
4: But let's jump into it, Cody. Lack.
1: yeah. I mean, listen, let's jump in to this show. We got a little bit from Frank Wright today. He delivered his pressure. Um, basically this morning and he really gave a lot of great information and I kind of wanted to talk about that with you all and uh, we're gonna start right here we're gonna talk about David Tepper's role in all the coaching hires and basically how David Tepper was one of the driving forces that made all of the coaching hires happen so here's Frank Reich
7: for that there's no salary cap on, on coaches, how beneficial. And I think you alluded to at your press conference that he was behind you on that regard. How beneficial was that, uh, that financial backing as you like, especially
8: uh, Giro's case where Minnesota was, amid, but really across the board. Yeah. And to Mr. Tepper's credit, he never flinched on that statement. Um, you know, it's just not, that doesn't, you know, he, he, he's been on the block a few times in a few ways. That doesn't mean it's open checkbook. That just means we're willing to do what it takes to get the right coaches and put the right team together. So um it was a good checks and balance but uh he backed up he backed up what he said, I can tell you that. And um, you know, we were able to you know, we were able to compete against other teams who were vying for similar candidates, you know, where we came out on top um, because of because of that back
1: So basically what he essentially said just there was at every moment that they wanted a certain person to be on the coaching staff, David Tepper opened up the checkbook and made sure that the number he was going to sign was going to be more than any other owner was going to pay these coaches. That's part of the reason why we have such an illustrious coaching staff right now. And he would later go on to say that Um, And I'll, I'll play a clip of it later, that David Tepper, they had multiple conversations for hours on end talking about every different position, who they could get to in those positions. David Tepper would sometimes bring up certain names and everybody would essentially be doing their own vetting process. Scott Fitterer would, David Tepper would be, and Frank Reich would be doing it as well and then they would all put their heads together and make these decisions. I think we have to give a little bit of credit to David Tepper for, I mean, listen, he wants to say that there's basement fans. Well, he showed what it's like to live in the high rise, making decisions and breaking out the checkbook for all these fantastic Carolina Panthers coaching hires. I think he deserves some credit. Frank Wright
4: says all the right things uh, or has said all the right things. And it's really the tone temperature temperament of his delivery that I really love. Uh, What he did is this, is he, he said things like this. He said, Tepper's support in the building and his, his, uh, his support was not intrusive, but he was involved. He did not feel like he implied, he did not avoid the conversation. He did not say and make it feel like it was overbearing And he said that he was committed to getting a coaching staff with coaches of the highest of competencies, competencies was the way he described it. And he really went and did that. But he also Frank Reich also, he, he, while he answered some things, they really felt um, fairway answers in so many good ways. He said this, it didn't mean there was a blank checkbook. He didn't mean that he was throwing around money unnecessarily, but what he was made sure that they were going to be competitive and getting guys that were um, the of the highest competencies. And what I love about this is, look, Tepper got bamboozled already. But this right. is the beauty. This is the beauty of having a guy with deep pockets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. He went out of his way to make sure – that he opened up the checkbook. And frankly, he probably overpaid a little bit for just to have each and every one of these guys. But hey, if you're going to be like, what, the second or third richest owner in the NFL, yeah, you better be breaking out the checkbook, right. dude.
6: If, it, if it's successful, it doesn't matter if he ended up overpaying in the end, to be truly honest with you. If it's bringing us a, a, a the beginning of a dynasty or building the foundation for a team that's good for years to come, even a championship in the future, it's not overpaying. I don't feel.
4: Definitely. <clears throat> Cody, it's your birthday? Tomorrow. I mean, I know. Yeah. How did I not <laughs> yeah. do this? I feel like this. I thought we just celebrated your 30th birthday.
1: No, dude. Like, dude it's <laughs> I just, here, bro. That. It, I know. Rolls, it rolls around. It Every year, like it just, turns out. Just yesterday, mm. it seemed like it was
4: uh, my birthday. But no, tomorrow I'll be 33 years old, bro. Hell yeah! Congratulations, I man! I really felt like we were just celebrating your thirtieth. <laughs> Dude, oh, we were, yeah. we were, we were. Holy cow! Happy birthday, uh, to you, my man. will, man! Thank you so much for being a part of this show. um Now, as we went and got these guys, I don't feel like he was just slinging money around. I didn't get that impression. I just felt right. like this is, and it really seems that this if. They said that Frank Reich, one of the things that he excelled in, excelled in his interviews was having like really a plan about the kind of the way to fill out a coaching staff. One of the things that I told you was a very difficult part of uh, Matt Rule coming into the NFL was not having the connections. But Jim Caldwell himself is an example of this is how personal relationships in that history of being involved in the NFL has given them an opportunity to forge valuable relationships and earn people people's respect. So even if they have to pay these guys, he's an attractive guy to work with in this case. And all of a sudden Carolina Panthers are a destination potentially for coaches right now. And I have to believe that that gives free agents and players some confidence and some solace as well. But one of the great things about this coaching staff that he's put together is not only is it remarkably experienced, but there is a certain complementary nature to it. And they asked him about this about how the young guns and the super experienced guys, how that balance could be a positive thing. And Frank Wright look, sometimes you need to you need fresh, you need energy. He referenced Staley being a different type of guy. We'll talk later about Deuce Staley. But I think he was really, when they were asking about this, they were talking about Ejiro Evero and attracting that type of guy, our offensive coordinator that we just hired for the Rams, young up-and-comers mixed with guys who've had experience. And if we go back to the Rams' success, Sean McVay, yes, young, excited, enthusiastic, up-and-coming, but he surrounded himself with guys, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, That balanced him and gave him experience, NFL head coaching experience. Frank Reich has got a good blend of young talent with experience. You guys speak on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. And, you know, today he even spoke on the fact that he doesn't want yes men in the building. He doesn't want a bunch of people that are going to tell him just the things that he wants to hear You know, he he wants an air where everyone can speak their mind and say the things that they want to in a respectful manner. And by the way, you know, even going back to speaking on David Tepper, breaking out the checkbook, it's not like he was paying for just anybody. Not only was it the brightest up-and-coming names in the coaching ranks in our sport, but also tenured veterans. And, you know, I mean, if you just look at the slide that I put up here, Frank Reich's new staff has a combined 266 years of NFL experience. If you're going to overpay, these are the type of people that you overpay for. And, you know, it it really makes you feel like there is a dedication to excellence amongst this coaching staff and amongst this ownership. Go
6: ahead, Greg. I was just going to ask, why does Frank Reich look like a giant in that photo?
0: Oh,
5: God, he does. David Hepper is a pretty short guy. Is he? I didn't think. Yeah. That. I thought De- Tepper was. A, well, I mean, what I mean guy, by but... that is, like, you remember Frank Reich is? It was an NFL quarterback. Sure, so he's probably six four, six five ish. I'd I mean, imagine he's got the height. I mean, the... okay,
6: that makes sense. He just looks like a giant in that photo.
5: Yeah,
4: it's crazy. I'm looking up his height right now. He's six foot four. <laughs> yeah, I just looked it up too. Six foot four. And Tepper is <laughs> yeah. probably my height. Remember when we took that picture of Tepper and yep. myself? He's probably about my height, and I am five nine and three quarters. I like to say I'm five ten, but my son, who's peaking at six foot right now, makes me feel short.
1: Why talk us this happy birthday to Chris Cornell? My mom even tells me that I look like Chris Cornell, uh, <laughs> which is funny to me. But thank you very much to everybody wishing me happy birthday. Um, but yeah, no, you were speaking about um, you know some of the younger members of our coaching staff, and listen, we've been talking about this for a while. And that is uh, what is going to be the defensive alignment for the Carolina Panthers. And one of the things I love about Frank Reich is he doesn't beat around the bush. He gives you straight-up answers on what he Agreed. intends to do. So this is uh, Frank Reich on the Panthers' brand-spanking-new 3-4 defense. Mm-hmm.
8: Defensively,
9: are you committed to
10: a 3-4 then scheme?
8: Yeah, ajero has been 3-4. It'll be a base 3-4 scheme, but when we get in sub, it's really multiple. You know, it's really multiple. There's four down, three down, five down. Um, It'll all depend on how Ajero and the defensive staff want to put our player. you know, take advantage of our players' strengths. Uh, We'll be very multiple, but in our base defense, we'll be 3-4.
1: So there you have it. Straight from the mouth of the man, the Panthers are now a 3-4 defense.
5: Wow. And what is it going I'm, to mean for these, for this defense? I think we need to take a moment to talk about
1: great that. Question that fantastic. All right, well, since you brought it up, CK, let's start with you. What do you think this means for our defense going forward?
5: I think it means great things for Brian Burns. He's going to go back to the outside linebacker uh, position. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and and so that way he's he can switch sides. He's not going to be just a left defensive end. Um, he's going to be able to. Uh, be the Micah Parsons to our defense, right? Um, Or what you would hope Micah Parsons or what Brian Burns would be uh, from the get-go. But I almost wonder if this is, like when you think about the way that this team is built on that defensive line, um, obviously I think it means that we need more help on the tackles, defensive tackle position than what we have. Um, Derek Brown, I think, can hold his own, but I think that now we're going to have we're going to have to have that be a focus of getting some guys in here who are going to be able to, to to you know, uh, hold their own in the, in that position. Right. I, I don't know enough about uh, the 3-4 de- uh, defense, but I can tell you, you know, we tried it once and, it, you know, with, with Ron Rivera or some hybrid version of it, it didn't work out. So I'm not exactly sure what to expect, to
4: be honest with you. What an irony that uh, Derek Brown felt compelled to shed some pounds. Right when we uh, this need previous to... off season. and now <laughs> they're going to be like, "Can you beef back up, buddy?" <laughs> yeah, we need you to
1: eat some more, uh, some more bojangles, and put put back on that extra that extra twenty pounds. Lost. be like no what?
5: problem, guys. <laughs> well,
1: uh, uh, also, yeah, go ahead, Go ahead. Go
6: ahead. Well, I was going to say, do we think that this is going to be beneficial for Brian Burns? Is the question like, do you, do you think oh, he's yeah. better in that outside outside linebacker position? Because I, I, I just know that, like I said, we have tried the three four before. I can't remember the last time we had a three four and we were
4: old really well. We were old when Um, we did it with Rivera. That Rivera team was old. Remember, Um, I think Cody has been saying it right about that Rivera team is that it was half-assed. It was kind of compelled. It was a desperation move. Yeah, it was the back end of everything. You know, uh, Tepper was coming from Pittsburgh. They run it. We haven't run one in twenty-five years, Greg. So, like, okay. ever since the – we haven't ra- – the last time we ran a 3-4 was before John Fox took over okay. uh, I in '02 2 yeah. or something. So, I think we ran one, in like, in the early 2000s or late 90s. Um, the thing about this is uh, – well, when you say how that defense is going to look, I think this is, um, one, people tell us that Brian Burns should excel in those types of situations. And to be honest – Brian Burns should just be rushing the passer every time. Right. Right. Hasn't it been annoying like at times where they've dropped, like they've done different things and you're like, man, the best pass rusher is meant to not rush the passer. I'm, so I I'd think be they'll concerned. just send him every time. I'd be concerned with the three, four that they would drop him into coverage more often.
5: That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. I it think Luvu's like
4: going to be in that role.
6: Yeah, but and I, I don't know. Think-
4: I think Luvu is going to be like Hassan Reddick. Can Luvu be like Hassan Reddick, Cody? But I, I think it gives you an opportunity
1: to uh, – well, one, no. Uh, no. LuVu and, no. Luvu and Hassan Reddick are different players, in my opinion. See, I mean, Luvu is still an incredible player. To me, Reddick has proved himself to be a top-five pass rusher in the NFL. Like he's that kind of incredible. So it's hard for me to make that comparison for him yet. But overall, I think this means great things for our defense. I think it's going to mean our defensive backs are going to be far more aggressive. I think it means a lot more press man coverage and uh, manning manning guys up at the line of scrimmage. But also because we're doing that, I think it's going to give our defensive front seven the ability to be much more aggressive get after them, beat up on them. you know when you have these NFL offenses that are putting up so many points every year, they're dropping back most of the time. Well, put your guys in the, with an ability to pin their ears back, put them on their on the edges and let them go and get the quarterback and get back to playing kick your ass, panther defensive mm. football. You know, I think this is a great thing for us.
5: You know, I'm, I'm gonna ask a question, but I'll tell you before I ask this question the one player I'm most excited about this move for is Amari Barno. Mm. We're going to see this speed guy. This guy, by the way, has the fastest 40 time of any uh defensive end ever defensive Did they run end like a in the NFL. Yeah, like it was ridiculous. Three. So we have like a guy, like that's the thing is we have a guy. Um, yep. And so I think that that could be helpful. But do you feel like this transition leaves somebody on the outs with this defense? Anyone in particular? Yeah, anyone in particular?
1: Uh, on the outs, man. I don't. I don't know. I mean, again, we're kind of having this discussion about Jeremy Chen and what position he's going to end up being. There's been a lot of talks on whether he's a safety, a linebacker. Thomas Davis even thinks that uh, that uh, Jeremy Chin should get some snaps at linebacker because that's what they did to him. He was drafted as a safety out of Georgia and ended up becoming a linebacker. Um, it, it does add a lot more nuance to this now that you have the two inside linebackers and the two outside linebackers because those two outside linebackers are going to act as primary pass rushers on second and third down. So – you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to put Shaq Thompson and Jeremy Chan on the inside? Is that where Brandon Smith goes? If you put him an outside linebacker, do you feel comfortable with Chin rushing the passer? It's going to be
4: Luvu, know. dude. Luvu is 6'3", 236. <coughs> Hassan Reddick is 6'1", 240. Yeah, but that's I don't know if and Harry gets back. The, back the, the, a lot. He's been strong against the yeah. run. He hasn't played lean or light he's I think he can if he if you are ready to put him out there as a regular linebacker in so many ways in whatever position you put and I'll, I'll defer to a lot I'll defer to the chat I'm not saying I've got it figured out but I think that Lou Vu just from me looking at how he's made plays that he's a great guy to fit into that type of scheme because you could then drop him back into coverage more the question is, is, Luvu fast enough to cover? I guess maybe.
1: That's the thing. I don't know if he's nimble enough to be a pass rusher. Like we were talking about yesterday, Tony, with Tyree, Tyree Wilson. You know, you have to be able to bend the edge, and you know, you have to have flexible hips. You have to be able to move your body reasonably well. And to me, Luvu is just shot out of a cannon. You know, he sees a gap, attacks the gap, and makes a tackle. And we love that about him. Um, I could easily see them putting him as an inside linebacker as well, uh, just getting him in you know by the A and B gaps and just letting him dominate the run game. And that's what we're going to have to really look out for because in recent years the Panthers have not done a good job defending against the run. Right. And traditionally, three four defenses they aren't always the best at defending against the run. So it'll be interesting to see how that aspect of our defense continues to evolve. Now that we are a true three, four.
4: Well, and he also said this, he said, remind that that's the base defense. You're in it like right. 20 to 40% of the time, which really means on first and second down or something to that. But, you know, is that when you think of, if you're only in that defense, Twenty percent of the time, that's one out of four downs, in theory. Yeah, uh, but that is kind of how you build your defense from there out, in a sense. And we don't know what this team will look like after free agency and also the draft. But we do. I think YGM potentially is the person on the outs in that system. I right? can see that. In the oh, chat. So. The ch- the chat's uh, bringing this up a lot. So as we continue to talk about schematic diversity. Um, we have also filled out our coaching staff. It's to- tell me and I should not. I had his name written down. I just have been busy today. Thomas, uh, the Rams guy. Tell us about our offensive coordinator and also we've been wondering because we brought in Jim Caldwell. Many people thought that we, we learned today he would be in an advisory capacity. It sounds like a really interesting and cool role that he will be very comfortable in. Uh, but then we, uh, Frank Wright, the question is, will Frank Wright be calling the plays? And we did make an offensive coordinator hire. Uh, let's go ahead and what Frank Wright has to
8: say about this. Um, You know, I always, I went into the process of. Yeah, so this is on who will be calling plays for the Carolina Panthers. You know, thinking about calling plays, not calling plays. You know, there is going to be some point that I'm going to pass it off. Um, You know. I know that's gonna be hard and I've been laughing. I've laughed with Thomas about that already. I said, I'm gonna pass it off at some point. I don't know when, but, um, you know, and I think there will be a time and a place and I think it will become apparent when that is. But, um, you know, I I think the right thing for me to do for our team and for our offense right now is for me to continue to kind of use my experience there, but draw on, uh, I'll lean heavy on Thomas. I'll lean heavy on, I can already tell. It's been a couple days. And I'm already, I've already leaned on him hard on a couple of things. So, you know, I had a long meeting with him this morning, and I felt wisdom, conviction, strength. So that relationship is going to be really good.
4: I, so I tell you I, this, Cody, hey, real quick, is that uh, Frank Reich, when when he said, "I've been laughing with Thomas Brown about this," who's the offensive coordinator. Um, I just kind of feel like if I was a, a Thomas Brown, and you're like in a job or somewhere where someone is clearly. Of a higher position that you have to defer to. It's like one of those jokes. He's like, oh, "I'm gonna pass it." Ha ha! Nudging and laughing. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> I mean, look, personally, I like this. I'm really excited about Thomas Brown, and partly because so many Rams fans were very upset to see him go. He was the tight ends coach for the Rams. Yeah, he won a Super Bowl with them. And but the reason why I do like what he said is because uh, Thomas Brown has never called plays before, at least not as an offensive coordinator, at least not to my knowledge. I didn't see anything about that. So the fact that Frank Reich has the ability to do so, and again, the fact that for the first time ever, the Panthers are going to have our head coach calling plays on offense, to me, that's absolutely perfect and then together they can collaborate and decide on what's best for the offense. I'm sure when they're going through installs, Thomas Brown is going to have a very large say-so on what we're running and when we run it. And, and I, I'm, I'm pumped for that, man. I really think that Thomas Brown was a great hire. And again, it was partly because of all the upset Rams fans that I saw that didn't want to see him leave. And Sean McVay wanted to retain Thomas Brown. But he couldn't do it since him being promoted to an offensive coordinator. He's not going to stop his guy from being promoted and, and yeah. right for himself. And by the way, a shout-out to Pete Dubs with the $20 love bomb. This is get with it because we're winning the division next year with a 3-4 keep effing pound. And shout-out, Pete Dubs. Appreciate you, brother. Um, I like this, and I like the answer. What we'll say
4: you guys? Say, Kay, I was going to ask you about this is like Cody was saying, this kind of easing him in. This really feels like a mentorship role for uh, Frank Reich. And here's the thing is that Frank Reich has not only had experience calling plays on a Super Bowl team uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, he's also had experience calling the plays as a head coach. And if sitting a quarterback in his rookie year, helps develop and ease them in and put them in situations for success. Could this not be a really good thing for Thomas Brown to be eased into maybe one week he's starting to write the script next week or like in the team feels in a good place. Maybe you're winning and things like this and you Mm -hmm. can bring him in in a place where he can succeed and feel confident rather than it going bad being in over your head and all of a sudden the blame going to you.
5: Yeah, no, I think uh, I think there is going to be some some benefit there. Um, I think uh, there's not enough. I, I just don't know enough about um, what he would be calling as a as a play caller for this. So it's hard for me to be able to make a um, a judgment about that. But I do think that Frank Reich gives me a tremendous amount of confidence that he's going to be able to call plays effectively. Um, and the fact is, is that it's it does seem like it's something that he's willing to give the reins back over to him if in fact that time does come um which hopefully it does you know show i mean i I would like to see thomas have an opportunity to 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 show what he's made of and if he's able to come in here and innovate but um you know frank reich i'm i'm perfectly fine with him taking over this this role and i think uh
4: it's the best thing for this team right now greg he spoke on this is that this uh coaching staff has a diverse diversity of offensive experience, I mean, of diversity of experience. You have uh, two head coaches, successful head coaches, and Reich. Then you have uh, Jim Caldwell. You've had the first Carolina Panthers head coach in the history of the team with Don Capers, who is now going to be a mentor to Jira Evero. And Frank Reich was clear to say this was not a sentimental hire. But this was a hire because of how good of a relationship he has with the Jiro Evero, and also mm-hmm. how important of his experience and capability and ability is. He also referenced Josh McCown being the quarterback's coach and, and the, the real attribute that he brings is um, that he spent a long time, even longer than Reich in the, in the NFL, as a player but he also played in different offensive schemes as a player. What I love when Cody said that he was clear that he wasn't a yes man, Greg. I feel like these answers show a comfort, a comfort like a confidence in his ability to where he's not threatened by other people's abilities.
6: Mhm. Yeah, it, it's a lot of it comes from experience. It's the exact opposite of what we just came from, which which makes it so much more refreshing. Um, but yeah, it, like you said, I I think that he's the you're right. He's the kind of guy who said he doesn't want a yes man, but he's also not going to be run over. Like this is going to be run his way, and and he has enough experience and he, on uh, with himself and through the coaches and players that he has that I don't think you're going to have to worry about issues within the ranks of coaches trying to overthrow. Frank Reich or trying to, to go the yeah. other direction than he is. I think right. this is going to be a good a good blend of coaches right here. I think between I, the it, experience and the young that you have, it's a perfect combo. And it's, Like I said, it's the exact opposite of what we just kind of came from. So I, I think Tepper tried to catch lightning in the bottle, uh, you know, his first couple of years and, and do what nobody said you could do and show you can win, you know, kind of a teenage mentality mindset going into it. And right. I guess he was kind of like a teenage owner, if you look at it like that. Uh, now he's learned and it looks like he's going in the right direction. And I like the way that, uh, you know, this experience with this roster.
4: Greg this uh, or Cody, uh, Greg said that this feels like a complete 180 from what we came from. I can't agree more, right, than with what I like, I feel 100. I'm 100% in accordance with Greg. And the thing that really stuck out to me, Cody, is he said, yeah, last night, McCown, Josh and I, sat around for two hours real late talking ball. And when he said it like that, I was like, these guys really know football. I don't know if I ever truly believed if Matt rule truly knew football much better than rather informed people.
1: Oh yeah. And so by the way, I I was, uh, I was writing my comments for draft tech today and I, I wrote this sentence, uh, you know, basically, how Panther, you know, how David Tepper needed to course correct, and how he did so by going from a coaching staff filled with Matt Rule's college cronies to a coaching staff that has 11 Super Bowl rings amongst them. Like the feel from Matt Rule and Frank Reich, in my opinion, is night and day. They seem competent. They seem to have a plan. They seem to know what they're doing. And for the things that they don't know, they seem to have a plan on how to address it on how to go about fixing the quarterback position or fixing whatever it is on the team, because they have such a wealth of knowledge amongst all the coaches to be able to draw from. So I echoed the same I sentiment got- as you, Tony. I'm, I, I don't know if I've ever felt this assured in a Panthers coaching staff since maybe 2000, since no, after 2015, ever. Right. Yeah. But then even then, that, I thought we were bringing back a Super Bowl coaching staff. But when you when you compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges, this is absolutely uh, a very, very impressive coaching staff. I was, Panthers.
4: I was talking with CK before you guys hopped on and I told him, I said, I've never felt more at ease. With a staff. And look, and I'm not trying to get overexcited. I don't want to be rose. Look, I know oh, rose-colored glasses is like, oh, I'm not saying like these guys are destined to have 100% right. success. But sure. I've never felt, and I'm talking about, I've witnessed three coaching eras, right? I've watched the, the John Fox era. I've watched the Ron Rivera era. Then I watched the Matt Rule era. And out of all three, I've never really felt as more comfortable with that. These guys, this guy feels fully capable. Sometimes you were just like, this is like, I mean, Ron started slow. We didn't know he hadn't been a head coach before. And it's not that I didn't trust him. It's not, that's not what I'm trying to say is I just have like a calm. It's almost like if you're riding in the car, my son turned 15 this past last week, he got his driver's permit to uh, today yesterday. He drove like, he drove him so like I you know, he can drive me around now. Uh he's doing fine, but you know, if you're a passenger in a car with a guy who d- you don't like ride with, hasn't a lot of a lot of experience, you're kind of nervous a little bit. <laughs> Frank Reich, I feel like I could go take a nap in the back of the car and wake up and we're fucking in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, you you feel comfortable
1: delegating all the important decision making tasks to him. He seems like the adult in the room. It, it's the difference between a guy who has been there, done that, versus a guy like Matt Rule, who is pretending to have been there and done that. Yeah. And, and he just, can work with people, day. Cody.
4: He just came from a he came from an organization that has an owner who's in the top five of crazies of NFL owners, right? Jim Irsay. And then they have a GM who has been known for being a power monger. And he was able to successfully navigate and work with those guys. And now he's coming into this situation. He feels like this. I bet you Scott Fitter is breathing easy. It seems like he can talk with Tepper and Tepper respect his, but not run him over too. I feel I've never felt more at ease. I don't know why. I don't I hope I'm not just putting the rose colored glasses on, but I tell you, it just seems like he belongs there. Mm-hmm.
1: Greg, are you feeling a little bit better about Frank Rack? I know your initial opinion wasn't uh like I do weren't in love with him, but how are you feeling now?
6: I feel pretty good. I mean, it's never, not that I wasn't ever really in love with him. He just wasn't my top choice. And we had my top choice. Like, you know, a few of my top choices in the building. So it was, it was kind of difficult, but I didn't want to go in not giving him a chance. And so far, everything I've seen, I've been highly impressed with and I'm, I'm excited for what's going forward.
1: Cool. Cool. So you're right. feeling good about this,
5: dude. I feel, I feel much better. I, again, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't high. I wasn't low on it. I was just kind of eh about it. Um, mm-hmm. But man, the additions of this coaching staff, um, it's hard not to look at this and think, man, I don't know that we're in a rebuild anymore, right? I think that there was a sense that we might be. I, ju- I feel like this coaching staff is going to look at this this roster, and I think they're going to be able to come to terms with, uh, you know, uh, some, some good free agents out there that look at this roster and, or this uh, this coaching staff and think um, this is the place to go and play, right? Because, I mean, you just got so much, so many people that have been there have played this game. And I think players respect that more than anything is when they they have a coach that's played in the position in the NFL and had some level of success in doing so.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we think that we're at risk to lose a lot of these guys after one season? Yes. If we experience some modicum of success?
5: I'm going to tell you why we're at risk of of losing some of these guys. I think, uh, you know how the league was pissed at Tepper for doing what he did with Rule? I think that they're they're pissed at Tepper for doing what he did this year as well with the hiring of all these coaches. And I could see a scenario where they not only hire our offensive and defensive coordinators, but potentially some of the offensive assistants off of us into the other Mm -hmm. offensive coordinator roles. And so I could see them doing um, almost just as a F you to Tepper for doing doing, you know, what he's done, which, again, you know, opinions are opinions when it comes to whether he should have done what he did. But um, I think he, he he's he got the he knows what he wants, man. And the dude is just ready to have this team be successful. And I I can't help but appreciate that.
4: Oh, they're going to forget about that, uh, CK, as soon as they have to start paying these quarterbacks now. They're going to turn all to the Browns and Deshaun Watson contract, and that's who there is under there in their sights at this moment. But those would be good problems to have, right? Is that if you are having enough success to where your team – uh is a place that people want to poach. And by the way, Andy has had to he had to deal with this in Indy. All the guys that were in the damn Super Bowl were on his team, uh, were under his coaching staff. I think that he we are very positioned, particularly with Jim Caldwell there. I'm sorry, like we can weather those storms. I truly think, and he yeah. was even asked about this in the press conference today, but where I think he has excelled. not except i think he shows you he's been there done that but done this before he feels confident and comfortable caldwell too same way caldwell i feel is the smartest guy in the building like i just think like he's just too smart like it's almost like cook god it's intimidatingly smart uh but these guys never overreached on a question and they never dodged a question they yeah. were asked about yeah. how they felt. They We continued to want to hear them say, oh, I came here because the roster is great. Oh, I came here because of this. I, and they were like this. They answered the question. They're like, well, look, we're just doing this. We just got here. And, Cody, they were asked today about the quarterback position and the hot name in free agency that is out there being shopped around, Derek Carr, and I think not a sidestep. But this is the answer you have to give. And
1: I think it was the honest-to-God truth yeah, as well. The
4: right answer.
7: We asked you about quarterbacks uh, a couple few weeks ago. Since that time, Derek Carr is available. Will you guys bring him in on a visit?
8: You know, interesting question. You know, we're really literally sitting down with the guys today. for staff, First staff meeting will be tomorrow. But I've kind of met with guys individually, saying, "Okay, here's what we're doing. First st- step one, let's evaluate our roster. You know, so we're really just starting that process. So step two, evaluate the free agents. You know, we they, everybody got their list. Okay. Um, step three, now you know going to the college guys. So that process We're really not ready to address the specifics of that because we're really just beginning. We asked you about. Been-
1: So it was very honest, man. It was saying that they haven't even really gotten to that part of their evaluation yet. And how he even said during the press conference tomorrow, they're all going to be in a room together and they're going to start really evaluating the entire roster as is for the first time as a Panthers coaching staff. And you have to do things in order. Tony, I know you talk a lot about what, you know, the, the David Gettlemanisms and the things that he used to say and the things that you should do, you know, never drafting hungry and all these things. Well, one of the things that he always did say, and look, say what you want about Gettleman. he may not have always taken his own advice, but he did have some good nuggets from
4: here. Oh, and there. that was his only problem—that he didn't. Take yeah, his own he own never advice.
1: followed his advice, <laughs> right. but he would talk about how your free agency is absolutely key to setting up your draft. And right now, the Panthers staff is tasked with looking at the guys that they have, how much money do they have, and can they free up in a reasonable amount of time? What players, one, that's on our team do you want to retain? And then who else is out there that we can bring on that can help bring our game to the next level? And as a staff, 100% of your focus has to be on that. You're going to have your guys that are going to the combine and you know taking measurements and all this stuff, and they're gathering data for later. But right now, it's a first things first type of mentality in the building. And I love that, man, because it tells me, right.
4: yes, they're going about it the right way. It's the right way to do it. The exact right way to do it. And what I love about this is that The reason you feel like he's being honest, because he is. He's not trying to sell you something you want to hear. And if we go back and look at Matt Rule's press conferences at this same time of year, like the whatever, like in this moment, he's out there sucking off Cam Newton and then cutting him two days later. He is like
5: not even just that. He would not answer a damn question to save his life. He would just, no, hey, yeah, yeah he would, he would just, at the end of the day.
2: At
1: the end of the day yeah,
5: and, wow. and we would defend him like that's coach talk, right? You know, what what else are you supposed to say in that situation? But, um, I mean, when, you know, he's honestly answering that question in the best way he possibly can right now, as far as Reich is, and it's not sounding like he's dodging it. He's like, listen, what we're going right? to right. sit down and we're going to talk about it. We don't know the answer right now. Uh, and I appreciate that. Honestly, I appreciate the fact that he's not coming out here. And honestly, even if you want to talk about Jim Caldwell, he was asked a similar question. He's like, "I uh, you know, I haven't even had an opportunity to sit down and review the tape of the guys on this team. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and, and give a uh, and blow a, smoke up your ass. Yeah, yeah. And, and tell you what I think about a roster that I haven't really had an opportunity to to evaluate." I love um, it. And I appreciate those guys, man. I love when
4: Caldwell said this. He said, and it's also great not having to answer some of these questions because I'm not that, like, (laughs) I don't have to answer some of these questions. Did you also see the part
1: where they asked him about David Tepper? And he's like, well, I don't know if I'm in a position to be nitpicking my boss, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but uh, he seems really personable. And, you know, I I didn't want Caldwell to be the head coach of the Panthers when he was a a name being brought up. But now that I've listened to him and I've heard him, and I, you know, I, 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 get a feel for the type of man that he is, dude. I am so happy to have that guy on the staff, man. To be Told able to, you. to, I tried to, to tell you. Yeah, I mean, to be able to, you know, give his advice and his expertise to, you know, not only the players but the coaches as well. And you're right, Tony. His intelligence it just jumps out at you. So he's I imagine, not trying to
4: be smart. You know what I'm right. saying? He's and, not trying to be smart. You just know. That he is. He's so well spoken. Right. He's so polished. And I think the no. only reason he wouldn't, I wouldn't be excited for him to be the head coach is that he's almost too smart and too uh in neutral. Like it's like he's just like uh the opposite of me. Let's just put it that way. He's like got the opposite <laughs> personality of me. And when you talk about this, I mean, I told you I would be happy with either one of those guys being the head coach. I told you that my dream would be. Caldwell and Reich as offensive coordinator, or Reich and Caldwell, completely happy with this. But they started to articulate some of the roles today, Cody, that this coaching staff would take on. Because we heard about Jim Caldwell joining this coaching staff, but he was not named offensive coordinator. We heard Deuce Staley joining this coaching staff and being named assistant head coach. And Frank Reich was very clear, it seemed like, had a, Distinct vision in his mind, what these roles would be. He said this. Uh The what I ca- what I took away from was this: is Caldwell's role was going to be supervisory in many ways to all of the coaching staff, much like a co like an a, like a head coach has to d- take under their umbrella, right? Mm-hmm. Like a vice president, I guess. But I I would call it be. I I wrote down supervisory or advisory like a mentor to every coach on that team and he said that deuce staley would be the assistant coach and that was not in name only but that was actually in the management of the game addressing the team being like taking on those responsibilities And I felt like he, and and again, going back to Dom Caper, said this isn't a sentimental how. I feel like they really have a clear vision, and maybe that is truly what attracted Jim Caldwell said the location was attractive, but he turned down offensive coordinating positions, and he said this. They said, can you speak to anything about why you took this job over other jobs other than your relationship with Frank Reich? He said there's really not much to talk about other than my relationship with Frank Reich. I felt completely comfortable coming here. Was clear what my you know, it just it, that was Frank Reich is the reason we have Jim Caldwell.
1: Yeah. Well, didn't he also say that even when he was with Detroit, that most of his family still lived here in North Carolina? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they so all live did, here. Yeah, that that's another point. It feels like for a lot of our coaches. This is representative of a homecoming. Like it really does feel like that. Even Deuce Staley, he has a, a a mom in South Carolina that he wanted to be closer to. So it just seems like for not only their professional careers but for their personal lives as well, it seemed to be just a a, a culmination of a perfect circumstance for all these coaches to come here at this point in time and. And Tony, we're not even done uh, talking about some of the hires, man, because right after we got done Tuesday, it seemed like there were even more coaching hires uh, that we had to talk about. But what did you say? uh, Tell me what you think, Tony. You want to jump into some... uh, cat calls and see what these Panther fans are having. I do.
4: I do. I want to mention one other thing though, about Um, the location destination. One of the things is I think it kind of speaks to the attractiveness of North Carolina as a state is that look As Frank Wright talked about when they settled down here, they stayed, even though they knew they were going to be moving around as a football family is that there was something about North Carolina that was attractive to them. So the state of North Carolina, look, the reason Jim Caldwell's family, his children and his grandchildren live here in North Carolina because he was the head coach of Wake right. Forest, right? So you have these, and it shows, I just think it's interesting to hear people speak so fondly of Charlotte as a city, but North Carolina and the region and the, and the 25 years of us having to hear small market, nobody cares about Charlotte. I think it kind of shows that you know, is that like now all the Northerners went to Florida and they're kind of inching their way back up. Like is North Carolina really feels like a destination state right now for a lot of people and not just in the football world. So, yeah, let's get into the cat calls. We want to hear what you feel about this because there's only one coaching position that has not been announced, and that is the tight end coaching (laughs) position he said would be announced in 24 to 48 hours. But we even got D'Angelo Hall joining this coaching staff, uh former Atlanta Falcon, Ugh. but uh, the, somebody in the chat had some great comments. If we really things come push to sub, we could put Josh McCown and D'Angelo Hall in there. <laughs> yeah. They probably still got some juice in the <laughs> tank. Yeah. Let's get into these cat calls, my friend.
1: All right. And sure. Real quick. Let me read some super chats because I've been instructed uh, by white chocolate. Uh, Eric 37 or er, yeah, Eric 37 says with the $2 love bomb, my optimism is more genuine than last year. Uh, White Chocolate Espresso says, Who's still crying about Peyton? Not this guy. See, he, he's, he's got a showboat. He's got a peacock. Everybody hated Sean Peyton. Listen, we're all happy about Frank Reich. And uh, I think uh, you should be too. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump into some cat calls at 252 228. Fifty ninety eight.
5: So, what are your thoughts on catcalling? Yeah, it's pretty. Sh- you shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So, how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It,
1: and it feels a good, like. And a three and a four <coughs> and a who's that cat in the back corner with his
4: face in his nose. Why isn't it playing? Can you not hear it? Nope. Good old Frankie White. Nope. No, All right, my
11: yeah, podcast we're brothers, how y'all doing? It's G Cavassier. Well, hey G- man, what y'all think about them those press conferences today, man? With Caldwell and good old Frankie Right. I don't know about y'all, but I feel so damn anxious for the season to start. Doesn't seem like both of them talk like they know what they're talking about. It didn't seem like, you know, when Matt Rule was the damn coach, he just babbled and babbled and babbled and babbled. Did y'all notice that shit or was it just me? I noticed that shit. I'm telling you, man. I think the South is going to be ours this year. I really do. I really, really do. And I give two fucks if if, uh, New Orleans gets a new quarterback or if fucking... Seriously, dotted, Lamar Jackson goes to Atlanta. I don't give a damn. I truly believe the South is going to be ours this year. and I see us going to the playoffs, and I said that shit before in the past and had to eat crow, but this season with these coaches, oh, my God, man. What rookie will want to come to a coaching staff like this, especially quarterback, you know, or a seasoned veteran quarterback with this coaching staff that we have? <sighs> hey, I'm excited, y'all. I don't, I don't know how you guys feel, but I am excited. We got to put the pieces together and just play some damn football come, come September, y'all. All right, now, keep pounding.
1: Keep pounding, man. I Dude, I love the press conferences. I love the feel from these coaches. And, yeah, you're right, G. There's no reason why the Carolina Panthers couldn't absolutely run through the NFC South next year, man. There's so much turnaround with every team in our division. We don't know who the starting quarterbacks of – I mean, literally any team in the NFC South, we don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be. There's been coaching changes. There's just so much going on right now. Tampa Bay just lost Tom Brady. Yeah, if this Panthers team, if we're able to settle down on the quarterback position – Find the guy, be it Matt Corral or someone in the draft or Derek Carr or whatever they end up doing, and get this defense back to purring, back to getting aggressive, pinning their ears back, and rushing the passer. Yeah, man, we can take away the football. We can do everything that we need to do. We just have to put the pieces together, and I think that we have the coaching staff to do it.
4: All right, let's go to the next call. The numbers is 252-228-5098.
12: Hey, gentlemen. Daniel here. Hope y'all are doing well. up, well, And oh man, I, you know I it's been so many years since I've been this excited, man. But just hearing this this coaching staff, you know, like just speak, man. It's like a, it, it, it's it's fresh air that we're breathing right now. You know, it, it's it's so different than the crowd that we would always get with that rule, you know, so I am partially optimistic, but man, this is this is something great, you know. And I just sit here and talk about all the points that I, said, I heard throughout this this uh press conference, man, where it was take me all night. So you know I think that the main thing that I took out of it all is how he doesn't want anyone to be a yes man, you know, like he, he wants everybody to have to have their own thing bring their own things to the table you know and just keep their mind (laughs) that that to me is 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 huge but you know we'll uh, hopefully all of this will translate into the free agency and the draft and just hang on for a wild ride uh hopefully a good one but always gentlemen keep out
4: I love the call. I think a lot of us are sharing that same sentiment. And uh, I go on Pirate Radio on Fridays at 4 p.m. Talk uh, Carolina Panthers and NFL uh, news with my good buddy, Clip Brock, who I grew up with. And Clip is a Commanders fan. And uh, he's been doing radio long enough to where he doesn't get too high. He usually is probably too low just in just living in – uh, depression in so many ways. Like he doesn't ever get excited. He was asking me when everybody on the internet, because he has so many people that are Carolina Panther fans that are involved in his show because of location. He was saying, man, I've never seen a guy like a Giro ever where not a single person is negative on him. And he actually wasn't giving this as a compliment. He was like, also just like, or right, is everybody just jumping on board, jumping on board with zero, Hesitation, just saying this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. But as you look at the composition of the coaching staff in its totality, there's an ease. There is a security that comes with me that right away I feel comfort. I don't feel the anxiety that even comes with The necessity of this coaching, like when we had Matt Rule and the Joe Brady, there was hype around those names. Right. And let's not lie. Is that uh, I mean, I was first I want to be optimistic. I want to cheer for people to succeed, succeed, not to fail. But we were just listening to what the talking heads had told us about Matt rule as the program builder. And then we listen to people tell us that Joe Brady is this offensive mind. We have heard, we have some of those moments of excitement here, but we really have like real proven capability. And I feel like this is, I can close my, unlike riding in the truck with my son, I can close my eyes and take a nap and feel comfortable that we're gonna arrive at our destination safely.
1: Same. I'm feeling, man. I'm feeling the same optimism. And I I said this on the free-for-all, I love it when Panther fans are feeling optimistic. Because there hasn't been a lot to be optimistic about the past few years. But now we have a reason, man. And it seems like we have a good reason to be optimistic.
4: And our optimism, I think my optimism is much different than, uh, than other moments in this way. Is that we tried to be optimistic going into this past season. We tried to find silver mm-hmm. linings, and there were a few, to be honest. Uh, securing some coaches that like Tabor and Campin, mm-hmm. even McAdoo, arguably. And if we if we go back when we did all the picks, this we were trying to generate and manufacture excitement in wins. That's what we were trying to say: is that man, if we can get nine wins. That's where our excitement was. Is like, if we can find a way. I haven't in my head tried to put a number on this excitement. I haven't put a win total on the excitement because I feel like it doesn't matter. The, and my excitement isn't based on just immediate returns. I just feel confident in my investment. If I'm buying a stock and then I turn on the stock ticker tomorrow and it doesn't go up. I'm not like, oh god, maybe I made bad. I can feel confident, like, hey, Apple is a good investment.
6: I I get what you're saying, but that are you basically saying that you're okay with being somewhat mediocre for the next couple of years? It means that we're building something that could be good for ten, seven after no, that. No,
4: I just because no, if you
1: that, have people that are building something, it shouldn't take that long.
6: I I agree that that's that's what I mean. Like, I I guess I don't know. I just feel I like. Just, the only way to equate success from right now from where we came from last year to us, where we're going moving forward is wins in my opinion. So,
4: that's always how you can, um, I guess, quantify success, Greg, like that's yeah. always like, I mean, those are real measurements, right? So if you go and you only win two games, you haven't had success. But what I'm saying, I guess, I think this is the way I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate my feeling is that I felt like if we didn't win 10 games last year, Mm -hmm. Right. That like you have no confidence in this coaching staff. Like it was like nine, nine. I still still wouldn't have been enough. Okay, Eight wouldn't have been enough. I feel like if we feel whatever that number is for someone that quantifies success, if we're one game short of that or one game over or two games or I don't feel like panic. Like, okay. oh, like uh right right away. I mean, yes, I want us to succeed, but I don't think I go out there and go, well, if we don't go nine and seven, then we're a failed team.
6: I got you. You may we're not be able to eight. walk the tightrope, but you still you got you got a safety net now.
4: What yeah, you're yeah, it does. Okay. It just doesn't feel so dependent. It's kind of like on a company that's meant for a growth stock. All right. Think about this is uh, just to con- continue with the stock analogy is that either an IPO. Right. So I bought uh, PayPal. When it came out on IPO mm-hmm. and it, they had uh, so since that company was so big already, they had early people who had early access to the IPO. So like, right. I don't know how, whatever the investors, people that owned the, the company before it went public, got early access. So when I bought it, it wasn't the lowest possible number you could have ever gotten in on. I bought it at $44 a share and it went down immediately. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go, Oh, PayPal, I wish I wouldn't have bought this stock. I believed in that company, and it doubled my investment later on. I just feel like rule and that uncertainty is just the fine line of having to succeed is so much about the confidence. So, for instance, like if Apple misses their earnings call by a few percentage points and their stock takes a 4% hit for a week or two, I'm not like, oh, Apple... (laughs) Right, Come, but I am like that on companies that don't have that stability. Right, that's I guess how I'm sure. I just don't feel one win is gonna say, "Oh, this guy sucks" or "He's great." The but difference let, between okay. I get it. the what would they call that? Like a de, what do they call that when uh, like a de, uh, the I get my when I get my student feedback. It's the when they do these averages. And you're like above the differentiation. Has ever seen that? So it's like how you relate to the median. Oh, differential, something like that. Anyway, uh, let's go to the next call. I think this is Anthony in Charleston.
9: Yo, what is up, C three? It's Anthony from Charlotte. What's up, Anthony? Um, Just wanted to start off by saying. Gonna start my own YouTube channel, man. Y'all inspired me a lot. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna be posting like videos on breaking news and stuff. I got myself a mic, and um, me and Greg have been uh, conversing about potentially an NBA podcast, so that's gonna be great. But I want to appreciate y'all. You motivated me a lot with this networking that's and careful. podcast stuff, and, I, and y'all are the best Panthers podcast by far. So just want to just thank y'all. And on to Appreciate you, man. What's going on right now? So there was a press conference today. I'm pretty sure I didn't get to watch it, but I saw some clips from it. Um, Reich and Caldwell talked a lot. I love the things Frank Reich was saying, man. Like, I think he has a real vision with this team, something that we've needed for years now, is that he said he wants sustained long-term success. And I really love that. I don't think I'm actually happy that I was wrong, because I had a feeling that David Tepper would put a lot of pressure on him to win now. And I feel like we can win now and build for the future. So I really like the fact that he wants to create long-term sustained success. That's how you keep your coaching job by building a culture. So I really think that also says that we will be drafting a rookie quarterback this year, whether it's at pick nine or trading up Um, as for Caldwell. He said he's not even looking to be a head coach. He wants to be here and help build this organization up, which I like a lot too. I think his experience is going to help us in the long run. He's been a head coach. I think his record overall is like 62 and 50. That's great. So, you know, I think him and Reich are going to be really leading this offensive charge to change us around, modernize our football game. And yeah, man, I mean, I, I think I love what, this coaching staff is doing. I can't wait for the new season, the draft. I mean, man, I haven't been this hype about the Panthers in a while. Well, I was actually hyped last year when I thought Baker Mayfield would be our next guy, but uh, man, that was a terrible take that I will still eat crow for to this day. But yeah, give me your thoughts on you know the press conference, the quarterback situation. Anthony from Charlotte, love the work y'all boys do. You already know. C3 for life. Keith, mother keep motherfucking pounding.
1: Hey, shout out to Anthony, man. Fantastic call. And by the way, that was one of my goals, low key with the free for all, is to get people the courage to kind of start doing their own thing. It's fun. You have a good time doing it. It took and, um, you a
4: minute to do that.
1: Yeah, man. You know, it, like, it,
4: is getting up there, getting yeah. out there, and feeling comfortable in your skin, right? Is a big deal. Uh, a lot I, you of people
1: know, feel like there's something special. That yeah. we have to do, and hey, we're pretty good at what we do. We Thank you, you. You, you develop a flow, But, yeah, I mean, I think that if you enjoy being a part of fascinating discussions when it comes to football, basketball, whatever, yeah, man, you might as well make your own content and 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 make it known. And by the way, I always give everybody who comes on to free for all the opportunity to promote their own content. Cause I believe the rising tide lifts all boats. So
4: it's true. You Anthony, man, Another yeah. true, it's just true. In this is that yeah. that's another thing I believe about uh, my experience on the internet is like, I'm, I'm rooting for everybody. So uh, I have a capitalistic mindset, not a old mercantilist where it's like, you know, you have to occupy the market shares is that that's, I feel like an antiquated view yeah. of the world. Now circling back though, I guess, Greg is Anthony helped me what I meant by that, or what I meant by this kind of confidence, and it doesn't necessarily have to be equated in wins alone, I think maybe it's because I'm confident that this team, I'm ready to bet that under Frank Reich's tenure as the Carolina Panthers head coach, we will, for the first time in our team history, go back-to-back seasons at some point with a winning season. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen this year and next year, but before he's fired, I feel confident Like, I think the odds are, I really, truly believe that we will, under his tenure, have our first back-to-back winning seasons. And I kind of just feel like this is, like, anything below seven wins for Frank Reich is going to be feel like a losing season. I mean, I know that is a losing season, technically, but we would have been like, you know, you're like, oh, well, we're building. And you got to let this team, I almost feel like with almost any roster, Frank Reich is going to get us close to that 500 mark.
6: Do you know how whenever you're, like, driving somewhere and you don't know where you're going, it always seems like it takes so long to get there because you don't know where you're going? But when you know where you're going, you can actually go back the next day and you know where you're going. It seems like a shorter trip. I feel like that's the difference where we're at. You're you're with Matt Rule, and you're blindly following something. You have no idea where you're going when you're going to get to your destination. So it feels like an eternity of just nothing. Yeah. Is it an hour away? It feels like you have a
4: path, you know? Yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um Does anybody in here, would you guys be willing to put money down on if that was an odds? Like, is that the Panthers, before Frank Rank is fired or retires, whatever, before his departure, in ever what way, that the Panthers will at least have won back-to-back winning seasons? I'm comfortable placing that bet.
6: Yeah, based on the situation where the NFC South is right now, then yeah, I'd say yes. I I don't want I don't want to count my chickens before you know
4: before, my, before they had Caldwell it's, it's has just... had both of these guys are the first coach Caldwell's the first coach to go 12 uh, 12 wins straight as right. a rookie. Now he did have Peyton Manning. Right. But at the same time, these are like he had Detroit looking somewhat respectable. Yeah. I really feel like I'm feeling happy about this. We want to get your thoughts, guys. Would you be willing to bet on the Carolina Panthers getting their first back-to-back winning seasons under Frank Reich? That does not need to be right this moment. It doesn't need to be this year, next year, but could it be uh, 24, 25, 25, 26? I feel comfortable taking that bet. Maybe we should open up the odds, and maybe I should be the book on that. Oh, wait, we can't sports gamble in North Carolina. Never mind. Uh, theoretically, if you're listening, government. Next call.
13: What's up, C3? This is T Dubs. I'm calling in for the first time. Hey. I'm newer to the podcast, uh, but I'm a native charlatan and have been a huge Panther fan from day one.
2: I Happy to have you, brother.
13: Call and say how much I love what you guys are doing. Uh, the community is incredible. It's great to hear all the passionate Panther fans out there and different opinions and views, uh, even the ones I don't necessarily agree with. Um, <laughs> wonder who he's it, talking about. It's been it's been a blast. <laughs> um, you know, listening to the podcast and and really starting to get involved. Um, a few quick thoughts i was a huge steve wilks guy i was you know my my heart hurt that he didn't get the job but i understood the decision i think we all understand that you know the league is moving in an offensive direction and tepper made no bones that he wanted to hire uh, an offensive mind and i i hate to say it, i know i'm going to get a bunch of shit from people but we got to give tepper credit and you got to give him credit for one hiring Wilkes or promoting Wilkes to begin with and stabilizing what was just a complete cluster um, mid-season. And then two, I think you've got to give him credit for, for hiring uh, Frank Reich. And, you know, we all know that Rat Mule was just a complete fiasco. I think Tepper recognized his mistake. He, he's just too awkward to admit it in a public forum, which is why his interviews are, or, press conferences are always uh, just a complete disaster, but I think we gotta give him credit for the hire. I am fired up about this coming season, about the staff that Frank Reich has put together. We've got so many different options from a personnel perspective. It's gonna be fascinating to see what Fitz does in the draft. Are we gonna get a quarterback? I don't know any more than you guys know. But it's fun to speculate about what might happen. I think free agency is going to be a huge part of it. And um, you know what? We're taking the NFC South next year. We're going to the playoffs, and we're hosting a playoff game. Uh, Thanks for everything you guys are doing. It's great.
1: uh, Let's go P-Dubs, man. Dude, for a first call, first-time caller that's how you do it baby that's a hell of a call shout out to p dubs and uh thanks for being part of the of the community man as a matter of fact uh, ck why don't you welcome that man with the golden pipes man tell him uh thanks for being a c3 fan.
5: it was a p dubs p dubs oh yeah p dubs i want to welcome you to the c3 community we have all been here we've all been through the highs we've been through the lows but we're here to talk it out, enjoy each other's company, build this community and be a part of each other's uh, Panther fandom moving forward. And we just want to appreciate you for joining in on the conversation. Keep
1: out. Shout out to P dubs, but hey, boys, you see what I said earlier? The optimism is running rampant through Panther fandom right now, man. People are believing that we've hired, the best coaches for the job, the best men for the job. And even a public opinion on David Tepper has gone the complete opposite direction. Yeah, absolutely.
4: This though, and this, I want to point out to the caller where I think was a great point is that when he talked about Tepper admitting he was wrong and why he might not, he may not have said it. um, I really feel like this actually is some restored confidence in, myself a little bit and David Tepper that he wasn't just a billionaire on tilt at this point. That's a poker terminology for when you get bad beat, you doing the right things and you uh, are just so emotionally that you swing, you so emotional, you swing back and forth. And it, at, for a moment, it really felt like Tepper was falling, it was on tilt. And I want to say that this staff that he didn't get seduced by the Sean Payton, that he didn't overreach. It really feels like he, what we thought was going to be so many of his strengths that he could bring from that kind of stock market mentality, maybe are returning. Maybe he's getting his wits and senses about back about yeah. him to where he, I don't know. I, I, this really feels appropriate, I guess. I this think staff. as a
1: billionaire, a trait that you have to have is knowing when you've made a terrible mistake and when to move on from that mistake and cut your losses and move in the right direction. You know, there's a I fine
4: call- line, Cody, though, when you're a billionaire, that you get into the point where you just believe your own hype. And True. True. you're right about that. You're 100% right, is that usually the people that succeed in life are the ones who can find ways to rein that in. But as we watch, like Elon Musk out there right now, You say, I mean, there are moments where you have to realize too, like, have you had so much success where you don't think you can't listen to other people? You can't admit you're wrong. And this really felt like a correction for David Tepper, a correction for this organization instead of, you know, the opposite. In fact, we probably, let's go ahead and jump into the prize picks real quick. Uh, Let's not forget. Real quick.
1: Anthony uh, donated with a $2 love bomb. He said, this is the Panthers time now. Keep pounding. Shout out to you, Anthony.
4: Um, don't forget the C3 Panthers podcast is sponsored by Prize Picks. It is your number one daily, daily fantasy football sports website app where you can play real money legally in North and South Carolina and more than 30 states. Uh, you can play daily fantasy football sports. Now, though, because there's not football, you can go – to uh mma boxing nba baseball's coming up Counter Strike go yeah Yeah. they even do esports ladies and gentlemen and just as a um i guess as like kind of to segue what i was talking about that tilt on tilt that need to correct um i gotta tell you this is i'm on tilt i have been on an epic losing streak on prize picks, right? Um, And what I've done is the moment, really when I won on prize picks, I did a lot of flex plays. I didn't shoot for the home runs. I just tried to hit doubles and singles, get on base, get a man over, get them in. But once I started losing, I felt like, oh, I just need one big one, one big one, right? So if you want to, hit singles, doubles, triples, or hit the big one, you go to prize picks, and you don't do what I do, first of all. Whatever I do, do the opposite. But you have to use the promo code C3 because you get a 100% deposit bonus uh, ads. Right now, I got a little bit on these hockey players. I don't want to speak too quickly. Today is the 21st, right? 908. These games are in play. I went under on goals for both of these guys. I could use this one, but I went a little hard in the paint, guys. And what I'm saying is this, is David Tepper had a big loss. He went out there and struck out in a big moment with Matt Rule. He got back up to the plate with Frank Reich, and instead of trying to swing for the fences, said, let me hit a double here. Get on base, bunt this man over with Jim, Calway, Jim Caldwell, and get a man over, get him in, and you can get a man over and get him in by going to prize picks and winning real money, playing daily fantasy sports. I just gotta say, is like I've just gotta, you know what? This is what I'm gonna do. We'll just talk about the pluck, the pick, the pick that I made yesterday. And it goes my my entries. I put in five dollars. I didn't I didn't go for the sixer. See, that's where I've been going crazy. I'm like, oh, let me get this four and try to take this 20 and send me to 200. And I'm right back where I need to be. I need to just chip away one win at a time, one win at a time. So I took the less than on Austin Matthews forward for the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid. If these guys don't score tonight, they don't score goal. It's hard sometimes to score a goal in the NHL. I turned my $5 into $15. Get a man on, get a man over, get a man in playing daily fantasy football sports using the promo code C3 at prize picks, and they will match your first time deposit of up to a hundred percent. Cody Lack, you've had some success. My bastard son has had some success, and Drew is out there playing, he's playing fantasy video games. Imagine if you were sitting on the couch watching your friends play video games. This is what I think the irony of streamers is. People watch people play video games on the Internet. Do you know how irritating it was as a kid to have to sit and watch your friends play video games (laughs) and them not pass the controller? And now we do it and we pay them to do it. And now we're sitting there, not gambling, but playing daily fantasy football sports on our friends playing video games in front of us.
1: Dude, I mean, literally any sport that you can think of, prize picks does it, man. So uh, if you want to support the C3 Panthers podcast, best way to do it, hit up our sponsors, man. Use promo code C3 when you sign up.
6: Well, the coolest thing about it is you can mix sports. So I can do an MMA. I can do a basketball. I can do college basketball. I can do football all in one bet. And now they have stuff out there today. I think Drew was showing me earlier. You can bet now for, like, the rest of the NBA season. Like, you can bet this, or not bet, but put a wager that this guy's going to score 20 points at least four more times this season. Unless there's, like, 23 games, 24 games left for most people. Like, they do all kinds of crazy things. Second half betting, first half betting, first quarter
4: betting. It's pretty insane. It's fun. Prize picks. Yeah. I got to tell you, this is uh, so many people have signed up using the promo code C3. So many people message me. Oh, and I want to give a shout out to my buddy, Trey. I met this weekend. I was hanging out at a local watering hole. My man comes up to me. goes, I listen to the podcast all the time. So Trey from Plymouth, North Carolina, now living in Greenville, I believe. And I think he lives here in Greenville. Thanks for support and listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. You know what I asked him? One of the things I asked him is, uh, what do you think? Is it too long? You know, what do you think about the super long? He said, bro, like, I work. I listen to it at work. He's like, the more and the longer, the better for me. So it's always nice when you get like, I mean, he came up to me. He's like, I know you do. I love what you do. Uh, it was just great hanging out and meeting people like P-Dub said, that community. Uh, And that's what we're building is it's not about let's circle it back to Frank Reich real quick. I will tell you a genuine thing right here that has stuck out to me in his interviews, not only his original press conference statement, but his uh, what he did in his uh, press conference. I mean, his introductory press conference a couple of weeks ago, but what he did today, he continues to come back and say, this is about the players, this is about the players, and it doesn't feel forced. He knows he's been a player in the NFL. He knows the players win the games. He knows that they're there to put them in the position to succeed. I- and what I love about this is it doesn't feel about Frank Reich. And what I have met when, then when I met Trey, I didn't want this to be about me, this podcast. I want it to be about all of us.
5: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, number one, I, I feel like I, I need to bring something up because I think it's going to be, because you, you talked about that um, with, uh, with Frank. By the way, Trey, welcome. Uh, we're happy to have you. But you talked about that. This is, the, I, if I'm being honest, Frank Reich's press conference should be making Greg jump up and down for joy because the thing that he said was that the winning games is 90% on the players and 10% on the coaches. Right. And I think that that's such an honest answer that he is basically putting that, but it's also putting that responsibility on the players too. And I like that at the same time. Um, That I was just sitting there thinking about it that entire time today. I was like, "Oh man, that's gonna get Greg jumping over the moon for this guy." It doesn't because there's just been this constant. Is it coaching that they can't tackle the, or is it that they're just not good at the game? Like so, it was It's an interesting uh, thing to see that happen, but I like it.
4: You know, when you look at uh, Nick Saban's success at the collegiate level, is so much that people have talked about, or at least I have a friend that's a big Alabama fan. And he always talks about a coach being a guy that is positioning guys for success, you know, and it's not what they do necessarily that change They're nourishing success in a way, you know, is that if you're a parent and your kids, you know, I get so many compliments about how my kids are and things like this. And I always joke in so many ways that like, I didn't do this. Uh, And you know what, to be honest, I didn't. It's not because of me, you know, not like, but what I'm saying is this is like you, you have to put your, your kids in a position to succeed in life. That means failing. That means you can't live your, their lives for them. And it's not. And when you're a parent and you make it about yourself, that's problematic. And it feels like this guy says this, this is not about me It's yes. I want to be very good at my job. I want to be successful at my job, but that means supporting these guys in a way that maximizes their success. And I felt like Matt rule was me, me guy, what I can do, what I can do, what I can do. And Frank, Reich, What he said is this. He said, he tells his coaches, They try to put numbers on this. Is it 10% or 20% that the coaches, you know, 80% players, 20% coaching? He said, I don't care really what number it is, whether it's 10 or 20. We have to get the 100% of our 10%. We have to get the 100% out of our 20%. So what he knows is that, like, and he said that's the difference between a game or two or three throughout the season. It feels Exactly the opposite of Matt Rule. Exactly the opposite of the concern. Frank Reich was a player in the NFL. He knows these guys know what it takes to win. They have been in rooms where guys are feeding them bullshit. You know, and he, it just feels safe. And it doesn't feel safe as in we punted. It feels safe. Like, I feel like I'm an Italian kid. I'm a mama's boy. My mom, I could murder someone and my mom be like, he's a good boy. But my <laughs> sister, my sister does one thing wrong and she's all over her ass. Right. But uh, my mom's house is a safe space for me. Like if anything went wrong, I could be 62 years old in my life in the dumpster. And I just be like, mom, I'm gonna sleep on the couch. And I just feel safe. Mm-hmm. I feel safe. with. <laughs> I feel safe with Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell. Big time
1: parent vibe, pappy vibes. I like it, man, dude. I, I like. I said, I've never felt more comfortable with the set of coaches that I didn't really know anything about. Every time that I hear more and more about them and learn more and more about them, it's impossible to not like them. And knowing that we're building uh, an offensive-minded football team with a fast and aggressive three-four defense and the coach, the proper coaching personnel. That knows how to implement all those different things together. Yeah, Panther fans should be excited right now.
4: The other great thing about this staff, particularly having Reich, Caldwell, Capers up there, you know, Capers comes joined at the hip to Ajiro Evero. And he mentioned that he said he talked about how good of a working relationship they have. So uh, uh, Evero respects Capers, he's a mentor. Right. And what I love about this is that Frank Wright, Caldwell and Capers know they've forgotten more about football than Matt Rule will ever know. They've forgotten more about football than I will ever in my life learn or watch. So what I feel like is this. They understand football to where the young cats who have the excitement, who have the innovation that they No, if they're selling them a fraudulent company or if they're selling them something real. What is the dropout movie where the lady creates the entire false medical company where they were doing the blood test? She just went to prison recently. They did a show on Hulu. It was the start, the health startup. You guys don't remember this lady? It's called Dropout on. It's a great show on. Hulu, hold on, drop out. Let me Oh, I don't have Hulu, man. They uh, Dev's heard this. They got too many
1: commercials,
4: man. Um,
5: it's the story of Elizabeth Holmes. uh, Price Pick, Price Picks, um, is a good.
4: (laughs) No, Elizabeth Holmes is the story, and the company was called Theranos. It's the unbelievable tale of ambition and fame gone terribly wrong. She did basically, she created a healthcare startup company yeah, that I was like a tech that. company and yeah. she sold this fake yeah. technology and she just was a snake oil salesman in a sense. Yeah. I feel like this is that well, I don't feel like I know this is that if these young and up and coming brilliant offensive minds like uh the Thomas kid or uh the Evera like they can't get pa- they can't be selling these guys false goods. What I, They would recognize if these guys were bullshit. They know so much about football. And so that gives me so much confidence in their ability to nourish those attributes, to truly mentor and pull the most out of the young, ambitious guy trying to make his career instead of someone trying to be out over their skis a guy that's like taking over a company prematurely and trying to convince everybody like he knows what he's doing. They know these guys are real, the real deal. And I think that's why their coordinators have had so much success throughout the league. So uh, again, a real comfort, I feel a real comfort. And I don't think that that necessarily, cause I saw G baby out there upset. I'm not saying that he's going to all of a sudden just take us to a Super Bowl. I just truly feel confident being a part of that crew as a fan. Let's go to the next call. Stop me if I played this one already, please.
10: Hey, guys. The Grouse. How I wanted to ask you guys about, now that Frank Reich is here, does all the small market crap go out the window as far as all oh, players aren't going to want to come here because we're a small market and whatever? Do they put all that aside and say, you know, I want to go play for Frank Reich. I want to go play for Jim Caldwell. I want to go play for Deuce Daly. I want to go play for EG or Evero. All the guys that are on our coaching staff that are here that, guys in the league would want to come play for no matter where we are, you know. Honestly, if I think if we had this coach, if they had this coaching staff, I honestly think guys would go to freaking uh, uh, Fargo, North Dakota to play for them. You know, that's how highly I think of this coaching staff so far. And nothing against any Panthers fans that might be in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm sure there's some. It wouldn't surprise me but they're probably not able to call from the, on the podcast because they're probably busy shoveling snow out before they have to go to work. But <laughs> aside from that, I really like that we have such a great coaching staff. And what do you guys think about putting all of our players in a package that want to work on a 3-4 defense, whoever they might be, and uh, throwing in a few mid to late picks in the draft and giving it all of the Chicago bears for Justin Fields, let them keep their number one pick. Eh, I don't think if you give the bears enough players and enough piecemeal and you let them keep their number one pick, I don't think they'll miss Justin Fields too much because they can get a quarterback. And are just as likely to start rebuilding because let's face it, they need everything. And they're the Chicago bears, but who knows what they're going to do. Anyway, guys, I want to know what you guys think of my call. Anyway.
1: He's gotten so good at that bellow, man. He longer. holds it yeah. and he <laughs> runs with it. Uh, appreciate you Joey. And yeah, you know there's definitely Panther fans in North Dakota. There's probably Panther fans in every state of the union, don't you think? Dude, we meet some Panther fans online from just about everywhere.
6: Right. So I yeah, I, right. I, th- I think well, what he was saying right there, I don't think that the right tree and everybody's brought here necessarily brings a bunch of free uh, high Target free agents that want to come here and play now. It may bring some guys here that want to come play for them, but you're not looking at guys like Aaron Donald and 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 you know uh, Von Miller type players, top of their top of their you know uh, position in the league type players. I don't think are going to want to come play for Frank Reich now. If we start winning here and and like start to put something together that looks like it's going to be successful and someone wants be a part of that, then yeah, I think the small market fear starts to kind of go away a little bit. But I don't think first year. It's gonna be as big. Like I said, there'll be players I think want to come play with Frank Wright, but I don't think there's like a top of the league guy that would come here just to play with Frank Wright right now,
4: in my opinion. I agree. Yeah, I completely agree. I do think there is one thing about that with to think about and consider is that it's not the top free agents always, it's guys that are not in their twilight of their career but have the luxury to where they've made some money. You know, they're not um, if you, if $500,000 or 1 million is if the money alone, if you're like, Oh, well, you're going to pay me a little bit less. You don't want to, you would, you want to, Oh, well, I guess here Jacksonville, they have to overpay their free agents. Or at least people have said that because no one has confidence. I think that, you wouldn't have to overpay guys to get them here. I mean, you're going to have to always pay them fair market, but it's like the only way they're going to go to this other crappy team is if they, if the money makes them go, because if you give me a legitimate deal, I feel comfortable enough in this location to, to, to go there. Right. And I think Evero choosing Carolina over Minnesota I don't think it was only the money, and I don't think it's the roster. I think it is the opportunity. Could be. All right, let's go on to more news and just finish these coaching hires out. Sean Jefferson, wide receivers coach.
1: Yeah, Uh, I love this. I love this. Father of, this is the father of Justin Jefferson.
5: Oh wow! Was Van Jefferson?
1: No, you're right. I did say I said the wrong one. Van Jefferson for the from Rams
6: St. Louis, from the Rams. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. From, from the, but by the way, he's still a damn good receiver. He yeah, yeah. He got yeah. he got hurt this year, and they were they were missing him. Um, yeah, uh, Father Van Jefferson. He is a very um, uh, people speak very highly of this man. That he is uh, one of the main reasons why pretty much every team he goes to they put up really good receiving numbers. Um, so really love the fact that he is now a part of the coaching staff. I want to say I've seen him on a hard knocks or, a, or one of those NFL documentary shows before he seems to be a very personable type of dude. A lot of people are really happy to have him. Um, I'm excited, man. Especially if we're able to get more development, out of guys like Terrence Marshall Jr. and Shy Smith. And no, I have not given up on Shy Smith. Damn it. I don't care what Tony's ass says. Still better than Demir Tubird or than Demir Bird. I don't want to hear no it way. shut up. And uh same you know. guy. They're
4: the same guy. Look, is I've come I, I think I know what I want to say about these guys is I'm rooting for their success. I believe there is a world that these guys can make plays in the <laughs> NFL, but I'm not ready to bet on it. Just like I wasn't, I'm ready to bet on the Panthers winning back-to-back seasons under Frank Reich's tenure. I'm not ready to put my eggs in their basket. Not to say that I wouldn't be happy, like I don't think they can carry the basket. I just am not ready to bet on certain players with that much of certainty. So maybe Terrace Marshall Jr. turns out to be great. I'm not saying give up on him. But I'm not ready also to put my Career on the line for Terrace Marshall Jr. I'm not, you know, is like, is, and it almost has been foolish in our past when our coaches have believed that they they have put their career on their lines for guys like Byron Bell. They have put their career on the line for guys like Matt Khalil. They have put their career on the line for a secondary with all rookies. And I feel like, yeah, it can win. Those guys can be good but the odds are long. It's like the five pick or the four pick on prize picks. When you can just do the two pick with the Uh, free square.
1: I I hear you, man. I I just think that when you look at the talent that we have at the receiver position there, you know, we should be believing in these guys long term. Terrace Marshall
4: jr shy smith these why? guys have a why should you be talent. believing them in long term i think you should be hoping why should you not because
1: no no, no 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 hoping, in no, 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 them. hoping is, them. yeah of course you can hope but we'll also see the development that happened in a very short amount of time once steve wilkes became the head coach last season sometimes well, how many players need, have we
4: said this with we said this
1: to get the most out of them?
4: how but much development does shy smith get
6: or Terrace Marshall get? Jr., bro. These yeah. guys didn't
4: even eclipse. You still owe me $5 dollars for Terrace Marshall Jr. not Dude, getting over thing. 600 yards What
1: whatever. They have to have the opportunity to do it. They have to see the Last field. Last 12 games. No, I'm but did you, you, no, 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 no. Ifs, do you not remember the entirety if, of, of if, training? If, Where they wouldn't put Terrace Marshall Jr. or Shai Smith or mainly Terrace Marshall. They wouldn't give him any snaps early in the season. And then later on, we finally see them after they, you know, play him what a concept and didn't you see what this man is capable of he was a second round pick for a reason he that's better be it, capable that's of why that it's in, okay but that's why it's important that you hire guys like sean jefferson that have a proven track record and not arguing against out it of but their i'm not ready to candidates. bet
4: my roster i'm with Tony. on those guys i hope that they show out but you might as well that's like uh that's like saying Cincinnati shouldn't have drafted Jamar Chase because they had wide receivers that they thought were like in the process of developing. So what? Do you really I'm want saying to this is, is that I'm You're not trying to hard? cut them. I'm not trying to cut them, but I'm not not sure that my plan A is starting DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall Jr. What are you gonna do? What's your plan B? What if A, one of those get any of them get hurt? DeAndre Hopkins, what if they're they're not good?
1: No, there's a bunch of free agent receivers. And every time you're not not truly
4: betting on (laughs) them, you're hoping on them.
1: You're either going to have to go into the free agent market and pay semi top dollar for a guy that's been around the NFL before. Or you continue to bet on your young players on rookie contracts who have done nothing but continue to get better and better as we have seen them.
4: Dave That's Gettleman did this. Dave Gettleman did this with Ben A. Ben Wickery. Oh, you guys all hate that motherfucker. No, but there's a difference in talent level between Ben A. Ben Wickery oh, and Terrence
1: Jr. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Ben, ben Wickery was never a good draft pick. He was, No one ever thought that he was highly touted. You're, you're talking about players that had two completely first different First of all, no one thought Shy careers. Smith
4: was highly touted, homie A., B, you're (laughs) conflating multiple people into one person. Listen to this, though. Go back. Look, at the end of the 2015 season, go back and look at what the redrafts for the NFL are. They always do this at the end of the season. What if you redrafted the players after season one for the whole NFL and the Panthers had like five first? Like people were thinking Funchess was going to be good. Think about that. We said the same shit about Devin Funchess. We said the same shit about Ben A. Ben Wickery. And I'm not saying that they're the same player, man. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just, I am not willing to bet my fortune on unproven potential.
1: You're going to have no choice because it's either that or you're going to get someone like a DeAndre Hopkins or a... You know, I, I'm not looking at the free agent list right now, but also, do that would be cheaper than going and getting Derek Carr. Do you? That would be cheaper than getting Derek Carr. But do you really want to spend free agency dollars at the wide receiver position? When, I, I mean, listen, we hey, have you want
4: to walk it, into next season with the roster truly being DJ Moore, Terrace, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., and Shai Smith with Chenault in a. Supplementary role that you're comfortable with that room. I'm comfortable with it, but I'd add DeAndre okay. Hopkins. In heart. No, know well, me. You just You're wanting to add something. I am not ready to say this. That's like going on a date with someone in two times and and, and get married.
1: It's an unproven receiving core. And that's the point that yes. you're making. Right. But <laughs> that's exactly but my fucking point. I'm also <laughs> not wrong for seeing a bunch of untapped potential that you're not seeing. That these guys, just because you haven't seen it yet, doesn't mean they don't have the potential to be really good long term players for the God. Carolina
4: Panthers. I thought the same thing. You remember, you know, I thought the same shit about Kevin White. Remember Kevin White, that wide receiver that was going to be
1: obscure names.
4: That's not obscure. He was a top 10 pick. That was was, injury histories like every year that he he didn't know. He never even got got to play. He never. Yeah. He never even played for the Bears. Like he. Yeah. He like played one game or something. It was always hurt. It is that your, your Clemson guy is another guy. Uh, Sammy Watkins, the guy that was supposed to be the next Julio. Look, I've seen so many players. Look, I'm not arguing that they don't have the physical capability. I'm not f- arguing that there is not a world where they will not be successful. I'm just saying this, is that it's a risky bet. How many people do you fall in love with every year that oh, turn out to be fucking risky. nobodies? Dude, no, that honestly turn out to be nobodies.
1: They do not see what Terrence Marshall Jr., was able to do for the first Terrence this Marshall offense. Jr. did less
4: in his rookie no, year dude, than he, Devin dude, he Funches made, did. He
1: made, he made some of the craziest catches this year, specifically that one that he like caught the ball between his legs. Did, how about this? This is, he when has, you, this he is, has, is a
4: verification. He what end, is it
1: called? Dude, he has high oh, end physical upside hmm. that Devin Funches. Never had
4: this. Is very, this is something what is it called for historians? Where is we want it's like a verification data, empirical evidence, like yeah, where you are searching for evidence that supports your claim rather than only looking at all data, right? So, you, I, I just think this is that you like you like Terrace Marshall Jr. coming in. I think you want you believed he could be successful, he would be successful. And anytime there's any semblance that he will or could be that you believe that that is, you're using that as verification data. And I think the same thing with Sean Smith and I'm not trying to root against these guys again, but I would feel more comfortable and I, and look Devin Funches showed more potential in his rookie year than Terrence Marshall jr. Showed in his first two years. But guess what? Devin Funches sucked. He fucking sucked. He loves salad. Remember? Yeah, remember yeah, that? They
1: love salad. That's it. So, Terry Marshall Jr. is already better. I love salad. Uh, I love salad. Hey, hey, let's talk about this. D'Angelo Hall coming into the Carolina Panthers as a coach. And by the way, coming from the NFL Network, this man was literally working for NFL Network the day before we hired him. He was on air talking about things. So uh, what do we think about? D'Angelo Hall joined the coaching staff.
4: I hated this fucking dude when he played for the Falcons. I hated him. He was a good player. Did you player. Assistant uh, defensive he,
5: back
6: coach? Hmm. Um okay. Yeah. I could see that I guess. Do we remember what?
4: Cody? He's
1: an, he's an assistant defensive backs coach. Uh yeah. there was a season of hard knocks. Where when the Houston Texans had to go and play uh, the Washington Redskins at the time, and DeAndre Hopkins and D'Angelo Hall got into a fight, or damn near, they were they were chipping at each other, barking at each other. And he was like getting all up in DeAndre Hopkins' face, saying, "Ah, man, I can cover you easy. You know, just talking shit. And the next play, DeAndre Hopkins awesome or some shit breaks his ankles, dude. Goes right over the top of him, gets the ball and D'Angelo Hall like hurt his ankle on that play. Dude, it was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Hall was, was in the
4: twilight of his career at that point. He was good for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. And uh-huh. I try to there's one player that helped me get past some of my historical angst against players because of what they did in the past for against me. And that was Roman Harper. I fucking hated Roman Harper as really? a New Orleans Saint. Oh, okay. When he was a New Orleans Saint, he was he was public enemy number one to me. Much to the effect, like Cam Jordan is to a lot of people now. That was Roman Harper, and you remember him and Steve Smith, where he took what I believe was a dirty hit at Steve Smith when. Steve Smith was going into the end and, like, caught a touchdown. Everybody, they just smoked that secondary. And in frustration, Roman Harper went and, like, tried to teach him a lesson. That's kind of how football used to be. It was like an old school, like, hey, you come across the middle, you're going to get taught a lesson type deal. But it felt, I I just hated Roman Harper for that moment. But then he came to Carolina and was – so authentically committed to the success of the team, you know, I mean, he owned up, he never backed and shined away from his past as a saint, but I never felt like he was a turncoat inside, and I came to respect him, and uh so this is that's going to help me not hold a grudge against somebody like d'angelo Hall that yeah. experience
1: yeah, I mean I'm happy that he's a part of the of the of the coaching staff he's not far removed from his playing days so i mean i really like the trend in the nfl of coaches being the guys that are getting these new players. head coaching jobs are
4: the coaching jobs i love it uh and Anthony, staley's a great example of a guy yeah, who's sure. moved up and deuce staley what i like about this is these guys also were good as players right right you know they yeah. weren't just players is deuce staley was a a, a hoss he was, a, and, uh, he was a good player. D'Angelo Hall was a good player at one point, even though you saw yeah. him get taken advantage of late in his career. He was not a schmuck.
1: There's a YouTube channel named femlo Raps. He does these documentaries on players throughout the NFL, and uh, he did one on D'Angelo Hall that was really good. I recommend everyone go check that out. Uh, Anthony Picarello with another $2 talking to Tony says stop sleeping on TMJ with real play calling, we fine. And I agree, man. I mean, sometimes you have to work with what you have. And the point that I will make, Tony, you know, going into that 2015 season, especially after Kelvin Benjamin went down in training camp, nobody thought that the Panthers had any kind of talent to be able to make the kind of push
4: that we did. But you know what? Funches and Terrace Marshall Jr. are the same exact player.
1: No, they're not. And, no, 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 no. no. no, no. Hold on. Tarish Listen Mar- to me. Not,
4: I don't mean the ex- the play on the field and this, but both second-round picks, both trade-ups. I think we moved up for Terrace Marshall. Did we move up for Terrace Marshall Jr.? We did. All right. We did the same for Devin Funches. The same. And that's what I mean is like second-round Like, so you know what? We'll see where their careers turn out. If and I hope this –
1: Sometimes you have to bet on the players you have, even though they're not necessarily proven commodities. Right? Is but what Terrence Tony's Marshall Jr. proven? I, uh, no, but it doesn't mean that you can't be the type of guy that you want him to be.
6: But what Tony's saying is, we did do that, and you saw what happened with Devin Funches. <laughs> what was the point?
4: And I'm also saying, not, I'm not betting against Terrish Marshall Jr.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: I'm just saying He's this got, if you to came to me first. and asked for my investment in businesses. This one's a little bit riskier than a proven business to me. That's it. It's, yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. But, you know, I've been in love with these ideas. I think this is that you come back and you'll look at this, is that I hope that his career, how about this? If his career is not better than Devin Funches, then I win and you lose. Like you, He has to be better than Devin Funchess for your argument. To hold any water, all right. Dude, and he's already
1: I'm, looking better than Devin
4: Funches ever did. Yeah, you just want to see that is because you after 2015, you would have said Devin Funch is about to blow up. Um, the other is this is you know what, as I say, this is Brandon Lafell better than all of them.
1: Okay, oh, did you just Brandon Lafell He took no, so no, much. Dude, he got, no, look, Brandon Lafell is Brandon good. Lafell better than both Brandon of these LaFell. motherfuckers. Yeah, listen, I'm a, I'm gonna bet on the young guns. Who are more physically capable at the receiver position than ever before? I man. think Brandon LaFell well, was
4: a second-round pick too. He might have been a third, actually. With,
1: no, I like Brandon LaFell. I've always liked Brandon LaFell. Dude, uh, Panther
4: fans fucking hated him when he was here. They hated, nah, and You know he, what? There was a rightfully <laughs> so. He wasn't yeah. great, but he was a little bit better than people gave him credit. He's an, for him. No, he, he was, was a destroyed. USC wide receiver, right? Like was he, he no? Was he
6: LaFell, Didn't he go? No, no, Lafell came from LSU, right? Yeah, he's LSU, he is Terrence
4: Marshall Jr. That's the yeah, comp. wow, that is crazy. Is yeah. that the comp? <laughs> go back. I'm gonna look it up. Tell us about this where I look at their uh stats coming into uh out of college. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so this came from Bears Twitter. Uh, but this is what it would cost for three different teams to move up to the number one overall pick based on a trade value chart Uh, for the Texans to move up one spot. It would be the second pick this year at 2024 and uh, 2025 first. The Colts would be their fourth pick, the 35th pick in the draft, the 24 uh, first pick in 24 and 25. Now get this for the Panthers to move up to number one, to secure their quarterback. They're saying it would cost our ninth pick. Our 39th pick, a 2024 first-round pick, a 2024 second-round pick, and a 2025 first-round pick? Hell no, bro. What are we talking about? We are not going to trade the farm and trade the next three years of first-round draft picks For one of these guys, hell no! I would much rather if you have to have a quarterback hang back and pick up the guy at nine that you want, rather than mortgaging your
4: future. Yeah, I told you it was going to take three. You
1: don't even know it's going to work out or not.
5: Listen, here's here's the thing that I think is mind boggling to me: the amount of people and content creators included that are okay with trading. Three first uh, trading away pretty much every pick that we have to go get one of these quarterbacks. Okay, number one, historically, that has never worked. You might be able to point out one or two times that a team has been better off in the long run. But I am telling you, like a lot of people will say, well, what happens if we would have traded up for Trevor Lawrence? Look, look how the Jaguars are doing better. The Jaguars didn't have to trade three first-round picks to make it happen. Their team is markedly better with their draft picks and with Trevor Lawrence not having traded all of those assets away to go get him, okay? So that's number one. Number two, when has it been a a benefit? Like, when have you seen? I've seen teams succeed when they traded up from, like, 15 to 10 or maybe from the, you know, second round up to the late uh, first round. I've seen those work. Because you're not trading the freaking farm for these guys. It's not, it makes no sense whatsoever. All of these people are absolute ins it's just insanity. The Mahomes trade was not trading up into the top five, it did not give away every piece of asset you have for the future. That was not that, what
4: that was. Yeah. You know, and to add to your point, CK, is even if you were able to like even if you were willing to do that trade and say it was worth it. We're not a team that has like a bunch of first round picks stockpiled up from different, you know, like these are our first round picks. You could argue if you pulled in, like if you're Seattle and you got three first round picks for whatever Russell Wilson, you have first round extra first round picks. You can make an argument that that's exactly why you positioned yourself in that place to use those and parlay them up. But we don't have that. We don't have, like, incredible ammunition. The only ammunition that we have or capital that we could throw away would be what we received in the Christian McCaffrey trade. And that's not what this is. And I told you guys three first rounds. The people that told you you we're going to get away with next year's first, this year's first, and a second, two seconds, no way. There's too many quarterback-hungry teams ahead of you. There's too many teams with more capital and more money to spend than us mm-hmm. the panthers need to sit pat at nine or even consider trading back
6: you, the bears are actually in a very crazy situation right here because i've seen this in a couple situations but i'm sitting here looking at it. they could trade back three or four times
4: they should do it twice they should do it twice they, they could
6: but they could do it three or four times still pick in the top seven and have two, like
4: what five six picks in the first round for the next three, two three years what if they trade it back like twice or three times and then move back up for less money <laughs> Yeah, than they spent. You know I'm what I'm saying? There's the great position. Yeah. It's not, uh, I want to put this up real quick before we go. Is Cody still there? I going to just put this up here. Yeah. What's up? Um, do a quick. Now, Terrace Marshall Jr. Is significantly faster than Brandon LaFell.
1: Significantly.
4: Yep. Four or three. Yeah. I mean, four five versus four, three speed yeah that's significant. man that's a big deal it is a big deal he's six foot to 200 pounds his he's got a career of uh one touchdown 628 yards he had a 2022 season this past year 28 catches for 40 yards you can look at his stats here just a quick comparison though want to show you what LaFell and this is why I'm not saying LaFell is a better like it's not an apples to apple I'm just saying it is this this is you got a guy who did more in less time this is the standard right here for me judging if he's got a successful career first of all LaFell played from 2010 to 2018 he uh he started only started two games his first season he went 38 catches for 468 yards. He started six games his second season. Now he played in 11. He went, he had 36 catches for 600 yards, three touchdowns. He's markably more, like notably more accomplished in his first two years. And people told us LaFelle sucked, right? He went, I mean, he just was, he turned out to be, we thought he was going to be badass and he just turned out to be okay. So this, to me, is the measurement that Terrace Marshall Jr. has to exceed for him to be what you say he is to me. I think he could. I mean, there's a possibility. But right now, I'm betting against it. I'm going to bet right now. I bet that Brandon LaFell has a more accomplished career than Terrace Marshall Jr. And I don't want that to happen no, but, but you, then tell you, me you can't tell say that, that you, those odds listen, are better. You cannot say that you believe in him
1: as a future prospect if you think that Brandon Lafell is gonna be a better player, like you already know that he's not capable of doing the things that Brandon Lafell was. Why? No, I go in place a better oh, Vegas. Tony. Who has a better coaching staff? Terrence Marshall Jr. now or whatever Brandon LaFell had,
4: had a Have we not
1: just sang the praises?
4: Oh, you of mean Vince Brandon Feld, who got 468 yards with Jimmy Clausen as the quarterback? Yeah, wait did you see? What he does this year? He's got more that. yards than what's his name's had, and he had a worse quarterback than all of them. All right. So no, I don't want to hear that. Um What I'm just what I'm you telling don't you is know this: that is I can LaFell LaFell is go and put have a bet on career. the table in Las Vegas, and I can believe it can win. But the odds are in the house's favor. Yep. Yeah. We, we don't. I'm know saying that is didn't... that if he is better than Brandon LaFell, I consider that a bet that you won. All right.
6: and and you're right, Cody. We don't know that he's going to have a better career. I think what he's saying is, to this point, he hasn't yet. Like to this point, what odds, you odds out, right, if you are? Just odds. He wouldn't. He wouldn't have the career. If we so. bet, no all right, so is There's
1: this? Also is that if, no uh, if you There's bet a hundred? Also... Th- there's no reason to believe that he's not capable of doing that. And then some, based on what we have seen him do. I and feel like you so to me. But, but see,
6: that's the thing, Cody. I'm not, is you're I'm, I believe doesn't... he is capable. I'm just not betting on it. Right. And and the thing is,
2: Why what you're you saying,
6: on I, 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 I kind of get what you're saying, Cody. But it's really, it's really not true. You're kind of stepping on your own argument. Like we're saying that what he's seen, showed so far shows he's not as good as. Therefore, from what we've seen so far, would not represent that he's going to get better. You see what I'm saying? But like he showed us mm. nothing to show us that he's no, going he to look, get better. I feel like you got to learn about, about-
5: that last statement. The the last half of the season, t- T.M.J. turned it on. To be fair, like okay. he was he was absent for the first half of the season because our passing game was absolute dog dog crap. Right. However, he had 28 catches. Right. In the last half of the season, if you look at the numbers, it's probably gonna be heavily tilted in the last half of the season for TMJ. But okay, so, all but right. He so he here this better. is
4: what I'm this is, I guess this I feel like Cody's not understanding what betting and gambling gods are. Is that if you put a hundred dollars that um Lafelle will have that not Lafelle, that TMJ would be would have a better career than uh Brandon Lafell. You would get positive odds back. And what I mean by that is, you put $100 in, you're going to win plus 100 money. You know, you're going to not only win your bet, but you're going to win a little bit more. If I put $100 that, t- that Brandon LaFelle is going to have a better career, my 100 is going to yield 80. Unlike yeah, your dude, 100, that's, that's going to n- yield 110. I can't what you're is that this None is, you are.
1: To me. You I'm are betting bad on
4: what I You're betting
1: hero I'm on the, on the dude, yes, I don't, dude, let me say, th- th- save your breath, dude. Whatever you're saying, I don't give a fuck, bro. <laughs> Terrence Marshall Jr. has such a don't high physical Las Vegas. upside that, yeah, I'm willing to don't bet go to on Las him Vegas having a better career than, than Brandon LaFell. did. He is physically capable Greg, mark of it down. doing more.
4: At At mark this down. That one. How much are you willing to bet? Put your money where your mouth is. You still didn't did pay, them, it, when, pay me on the first this, bet.
1: When does this uh, bet
4: end? When, when, when would you know the winner? retires from the NFL.
1: Fine. What a hundred? Let's do a hundred. Yeah,
4: let's do a hundred. And he has to have a career. Continue. Do you want to do yards? <laughs> do you want to do a, yards, question. catches, or touchdowns? I think we should do yards.
6: Yeah, let's see. Well do you would you rather have a, a wide receiver that has fifteen thousand yards and six touchdowns or that has Julio a, thousand, Jones. a thousand yards and th-
4: twelve touchdowns? Yeah, right. Julio Jones, yes I don't must see Brandon Lafell has more two touchdowns out of three? than Julio Jones. I don't I don't
1: we see who has the best two out of the three in each of those stats at the end of it.
4: I like that. Okay. I'll do that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Uh now we have yeah, to live yeah. out. Look, Brandon Lafell might play again. Still now, nah, he played uh he had a good, respectable, respectable career. He went to went to Patriots okay. and got a Super Bowl. And he did Cincy for two years and finished in Oakland. Lowest year. He never had his rookie year in his final year. He had 468 yards his rookie year. That was the lowest in yards. And the lowest in yards was 2018 with Oakland, 135. He had seven touchdowns with the New England Patriots in 2014. Yeah. Six with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, I'm winning this bet. I'm winning. I, hope, I can't wait to accelerate into the future and win this. You, you might as well just go ahead in and send eight. it to me. Have, you, you, ever beat, to me.
1: No, have you ever beaten me in anything?
4: Yes. Ever? One time? What the Terrace Marshall Jr. bet? No, the one where I said Terrace Marshall Jr. would not have 600 yards. You mean that about the
5: uh Smith would have more yards than what? What did he say? What was it that uh Shy Smith would have
4: more yards than every bet?
1: Oh, well, that's that was some bullshit. That was because of Matt Rule. That's like a <laughs> <scratchy without laughs> it it doesn't, it doesn't that's like but a that motherfucker I putting a bet on a number <laughs> and mean, on the round. I mean, when did roll, you oh, it Because that
4: wheel didn't spin the yeah. way I would have spun no, it. That, no, that don't that's mean shit. that it's when, when, when did you
5: beat me? Qualifies when you bet. been <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, like, bro, that, But not that time. Yeah, shut fuck You can't
5: use that time or any of the other times that I beat you. I beat you on every terrace.
4: Have you ever beat me on a Terrace Marshall Junior bet? Never.
1: You've only had one.
4: Yeah, There's you didn't win it. We, we hadn't beat them. But, I mean, yeah. right. I'm right, wrong,
1: dude. I am going to be right on Terrace Marshall Jr. And so. You're going to yeah, have to kiss
4: my shoe. You know what? Bro. I'm, I'm, no, I'm fucking hoping so because we have been. Do you know how long the Panthers have been trying to find that second round r- r- wide receiver who turns into a fucking star? Brandon LaFell was that guy for us. Like he, we thought, oh shit. He comes out and has his second year as in a sophomore season, first year with Cam Newton. He has 36 catches, 613 yards, three touchdowns. He had a 91 yard touchdown, right? You're like, oh man, we just needed LaFell to get a quarterback. That's what we were saying in 2011. And then he just turned into a meh player, but his meh was way better than Devin Funches. That was the next guy that we wanted to be the bodied receiver. The Panthers have not had since Masin Muhammad, a big bodied receiver that was fucking great. They haven't. And we we've been so now, baby. More, I Didn't hope be so. We said the same thing and somebody you put it in the chat. On. Somebody put the chat of the real guy we were all hoping for. David Geddes, the man with no fucking what? hamstrings.
1: Who the fuck is that?
4: See, this is the thing. He's such a baby, guys. It's his birthday that? today. Thank God you're finally becoming somebody,
1: No, somebody other than Tony, tell me who David Gaddis is. Wide receiver. Ah, okay. What else is that? The only thing you know about him? hey, hey, you. Nobody knows who David Gaddis is,
4: dude. Dude, somebody in the chat was talking about it. I'll tell you this. Look here. Let's just pull him up real quick. Here's a little history lesson to you. David Geddes was a six round pick. So, you know what? He was what Shy Smith is to you, but to us. He was our Shy for the old hats, except for David Geddes was 6'3, 217 pounds. And in his rookie season, he came out. And he had 37 catches for 508 yards, three touchdowns. This motherfucker came out as a rookie and a six. We were like, oh, shit, we got him. We got him. And then this motherfucker lost his hamstrings. (laughs) His hamstrings, both of them, snapped, exploded, and he never played again. Never played football again. This dude came out and made what you imagine – Terrace Marshall Jr. being as a second-round pick, David Geddes was a six-round pick who actually did that shit. 2010, with Jimmy fucking Clausen had 508 yards and three touchdowns. He had more touchdowns than Jimmy Clausen. How does that even happen? Oh, I think (laughs) I kind of remember this dude now. You don't remember. No, it's like he's like one of these crushes. He's one of the crushes that taught me the lesson you haven't learned yet. Different Terrence players, Marshall man. Jr. might be that guy. Shots you're is people. Guy. You're, you're,
1: you're blaming Terrence Marshall Jr. for what other men couldn't do, and I think that's unfair, man. Um, hey, how about how about this? No,
4: let's go what I said before, because-
1: what I said before last season still applies. It's prove it season for everyone. Everybody still got to come in and prove that they are worth their pay grade, worth that second round pick worth all the contracts that these people uh, have just been signed to all that shit.
4: Oh shit. Can I just tell you this just because this would be what's awesome about this is Cody would have loved David Geddes more than any of us. Let me tell you about this man. Right. He was 217 pounds. He ran a four, four, three 40 coming out of college. He had a vertical leap of 34.5. His broad jump was 124 inches. His four, he was, had an 18.47 40 yard mile per hour. What was his vert? Like his vertical was 34 and a half.
2: Okay.
4: He uh, bench pressed 15 reps. Like this guy was, um, his pro day, he ran a 439 out of Baylor. Um, hand size, 10 inch hands, arm length, 34 inches. So if you just think is that this guy was like one of those dudes that you thought could be what draft people found. And you know what? The poor guy didn't have hamstrings. I mean, literally they both, we watched him explode. They snapped like rubber bands and he never came back and played in the NFL again. That's it. Look, I love teaching these young. You know what? I'm a history teacher. And we got it. At some point, Cody, you got to just be ready to be educated a little bit on the past. That doesn't mean your takes now are wrong. Well, sometimes no, they are. Dude, yeah. David it
13: doesn't
1: tell me a goddamn thing about Terrence Marshall Jr., dude. Not one thing. Yeah, players bust. Okay. I'm saying baseball not
4: a
5: bust. He's
1: seen, if it was it a one-year wonder, he
5: was p- were a bust. Yeah, if it was, right, a one year, if it was a
1: one-year wonder, he was a bust. Just well, like What Kevin is he
6: if he happen. hasn't been a one-year wonder yet? What? <laughs> you say if he's a one-year wonder, he's a bust, but what is he if he's been in two years and hasn't been a wonder yet?
4: We're still it's, waiting it's, it's, on it's, Terrace Marshall Harris Jr. to wonder. Terrace like Marshall
6: hasn't done nothing yet he's still
1: playing. Okay? This doesn't play NFL football.
6: I'm just saying Marshall hasn't done nothing yet. Yeah, we know that. So we just want to just show me something. You don't know that
4: clearly. Let's go to the next All right, call. No,
1: you're right. He sucks. He fucking he's trash.
4: We love. What's up, Let's C3 go Diesel Drew? Thanks for what
7: putting up, on Mr. this uh, show tonight. I know it's a little bit slow in the uh, chat room. Uh, thanks for everything you guys do. Uh, I I agree with Gene Cavassier here. Uh, I think we're going to win the FC South. I think we're going to move up in the draft. I think we're gonna get our quarterback. It just feels like we're making so many moves with coaching hires. It just feels like we're about to make a move at quarterback. Go get our guy. And I'm totally, totally okay with giving up a first round next year because if, if the NFC South is not competitive with the rest of those guys because they don't have the right guy at quarterback and they're they're trying to figure out, you know, their rebuild. And we got, we got all this experience and coaching staff. And, you know, Josh McCown, I, I love this move with quarterback coach. I mean, he, he loves CJ Stroud. He, he thinks he's the next Joe Burrow. You, you move up, get a guy like that, you go in, it's not gonna take a lot to win the NFC South, I think, at that point. What what is the first round draft day really cost you uh, next year? I mean, you know, if you're competitive, you're giving up a mid pack, the late first round draft pick the following year. I think it's totally worth it. I think we've got, I think we've got, this is the best thing David Tepper's ever done. Like, finally, like, if his money was worth anything as an NFL owner, it's this go get these guys that have all this NFL experience. Love what's happening. Feels like we have corrected the ship. I'm excited. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, for an off season, this is exciting. And thanks for what you guys do like subscribe. Love you guys. Thank you.
4: you. Love the call, man. Love the call. Love the support there uh, for the show. And yeah, there is something that just feels good. And when you, if you think about this is who's had a more successful coaching career in the NFC South than the coaches on the Carolina Panthers. All right. Right? Is I mean you can't count Arians because he's I mean maybe if you want to say he's in the front office with Tampa Bay if you want to throw them in then maybe we can we can have that argument. But Arians did he win a Super Bowl? Yeah. As a head coach? Well yeah, yeah because Tampa of Tampa. Bay. Okay, because of Tampa. Cuz I was about to say cuz Caldwell's been there as a head coach. So that was close. But definitely if you exclude Arians From the equation, the Carolina Panthers have the most accomplished coaching staff in the NFC South.
5: The funny thing is, is everybody else's coaching staff is the most questionable. Like, Dennis Allen has the worst track record of any coach in the NFC South. Like, and it's bad. Like, they, for whatever reason, they promoted him to the head coaching position. And uh, he has been exactly what we anticipated him being. And that is garbage. You have... Uh, you know, obviously they've already fired some coaches in Tampa Bay because of what happened this past season. Um, and then Atlanta, I mean, who knows how much longer Arthur Smith has? I mean, he's right. you know got two seasons in and it's been you know no improvements whatsoever. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting, uh, you know, season next year because if Wright comes in in one year and he's able to show up these other, you know, squads. And win the NFC South. I think you're going to see a a, a fire sale of the the uh, the NFC South head coaches outside of our team. I I think the caller touched on a good point there about the
6: NFC South, and you might not need a first round pick next year because of how strong how weak the NFC South is going to be. The only problem is I don't, I, and I may have not heard it. He didn't say where he wanted to move to, like trade to. All he said was he didn't mind giving up a first round pick next year, which I wouldn't either. One first round pick next year. But I don't think there's anywhere we can move forward from nine with one it first round pick. One gets it to, get to, get to, to six. Right. Yeah, I don't right. think one
4: first round pick is going to do it. And if no you want to I, do um, I expect this draft. And again, I hate this speculation. Um, Now, like uh, we'll talk in a momentarily about how this is mock draft season. I don't have a problem with mock drafts, they're fun to think about. You get to learn about prospects and some different things. But at the end of the day, when you see people doing 15.0 drafts, mock drafts, it's like now you're just moving guys around to move guys around. Right. But I do think from a guy who doesn't care about the draft, really, who Cody has to each and every week convince me to care about even a, dra- a potential draft pick, this draft could be resemblant of the 2018 draft. Is that when Baker Mayfield went number one? Is that 2018? Yeah, it was 2018. Arnold.
1: Yeah, 18, 18 was Darnold, Allen, Jackson, Mayfield.
4: Yeah, so I could see this draft. I could see a world after the combine where Stroud and uh, Anthony Richardson per, like jump to the one and two, and Bryce Young fall to three, four of the quarterback rankings. Like, I could see this being a draft where teams fall in love with upside more than they have with Bryce Young's accomplishment and polish going into the league. I could, you know, I think uh, AR-15 could be a guy that people fall in. You know, he runs the 40. He goes out there and fucking does the vertical. And then he shows off the arm talent. I could see us all falling, GMs falling in love with him and him jumping up. So what I do think is that this draft could shake out to where at five or six, maybe the guy you thought that was completely out of reach is actually there. And my question, I want to ask you this, is we're going to play this next call because the next call is from Panther Pickle. And I want you to think about this because his call is about Anthony Levis.
1: Anthony Levis
4: not Anthony Levis Who's that? Uh, Will. <laughs> whatever Will Levis <laughs> Will Levis I was thinking of uh, Anthony Richardson what if Anthony Richardson shoots up the draft board is I wouldn't there, tell it. Dude, right, they're is saying where Bryce Young can actually slip tonight no. I I know. Stroud slipped never tonight, yeah. nope. never no. All right, let's hear what he's got to say about Levis, because I don't think Levis is going to eclipse Bryce Young, according to Panther Pickle. Hey,
3: this is Panther Pickle. Uh, I just wanted to pop in and say that um, Will Levis' <clears throat> awareness, pocket awareness, just is crappy. I know he was sacked 56 times. Of the last two years. I know he was, um, that he's thrown 23 interceptions in two years. Um, I know he had a bad team up there, but you're just not going to convince me that it's all on the team and it's not on him. And, uh, and, and um, Anthony Richardson is, a developmental quarterback. Um, He won't be able to start in all his rookie year. And I'm not certain that he will start, be able to start next year. Um, I know people are putting high hopes on them guys and they're building these quarterbacks in this class up far beyond their talent level. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, if If we draft a Quarterback this year, um, I'm just not certain um, it's going to be the correct decision. But hey, I do like the fact that the Panthers have showed interest in Hendon Hooker, who I still believe is a high second-round pick, but we'll see how it goes. Have a great one, and you pounding.
1: him. I really like Hendon Hooker. I really do like Hendon Hooker. I, I, I don't know if we're going to draft him, but... I mean, yeah, listen, I don't know. I've said this before. I'm arguing about this currently as we speak on Twitter. Uh, I think Matt Corral, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson are all in the same wheelhouse in terms of talent level and perspective. Matt Corral had better stats than both of those two, also playing in the SEC. So basically, if you're going to draft Will Levis or Anthony Richardson at 9 I don't know how you can guarantee them the coaching job over Matt Corral. I mean, maybe just because they drafted him and this coaching staff has nothing to do with Matt Corral, they didn't draft him, maybe they won't even give him a chance. I've always said that's a possibility, too. But, yeah, I, I mean, I showed you what it would cost to move up to number one. Yeah, bro, that's just saying it, man. If you want a quarterback, you're going to have to get them at nine. Or you're going to have to trade up a ridiculous sum to go up and get your guy. Cody, if I'm going to rem- trade up, I would do it next year.
4: Do you remember when you did your pitch for trading up for Trevor Lawrence? Oh, yeah. Would that package work? For what? For number one? Yeah. Yeah, the do two think years that- of draft, but... No, that wasn't what the package was. I think it was all of this year's draft... I think it was just all of this year's draft and next year's first, maybe. No,
1: I gave them ten do t- t- for Trevor. Because remember, we were talking about getting the Jaguars wires off of the number one. You gotta
4: pull it whatever.
1: Yeah, it was I, I I was like, let's give up. I think I, it was all of this year's draft, you said. And by the way, to all the viewers, I made a presentation.
4: Okay. No, no, I no, thought, no. I'm, no, I'm actually kidding. asking no, I'm not
1: doing this thing out.
4: Oh. He's all thought, worried that we're coming after I'm using this no, as a dude, I, off What I'm point.
1: saying is I made a presentation saying that the Panthers Should draft or should If they wanted to move up Give He's up more two years of prospect. draft picks Two years of draft picks From top to bottom Two years for Trevor Lawrence
4: What I was trying to get to is this Is that uh, I said that was ridiculous At that time but I've And I and you Believe that Trevor Lawrence was a far more sure of a bet back to this, a sure of a bet type mentality. I almost feel like that package might not get us number one right now. Right. Well, so you were willing to give that package for a very sure bet. Where we like, I don't even know. I think the package might have to be almost bigger than that to get to a less sure bet. Right. Uh, you wouldn't want it to be, but it would. I mean, you'd be losing more if
6: that less sure bet didn't end up working out in the end.
4: I think it's inflated right now.
6: Yeah. Hey,
4: what would have been harder to get that Jaguars first round pick that year or the Bears first round pick this year? And the, the only Jaguars. thing you could say is because yeah. they didn't have a quarterback.
6: The Jaguars. I, I, think was, yeah. well, I think just because Trevor Lawrence was so much more of a sure bet. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask Cody real quick. Cody, you said you think you'd rather do that next year. Who who would you trade it for next year? Are you talking about Car- oh, Carolina's boy? May or whatever his name is. May.
1: Uh, right now, the the two quarterbacks that look to be like number one overall picks are Caleb Williams and Drake May.
6: Drake May, Caleb yes,
1: Williams man. from US. He, he transferred from Oklahoma. Now he's at USC with Lincoln Riley, uh, and then Drake May, who decommitted from Alabama, who decided to go and play for North Carolina. So Nick Saban thought he was going to be their answer at the quarterback position. Drake May goes to North Carolina. Six five, two hundred and twenty 220 pounds, cannon for an arm, mixed goes yeah. on the run.
4: Yeah. You he's... remember those good old days of what, the 2021 draft where they said, oh, this isn't your year to get a quarterback. We're 2022. Wait, the next year. That's this isn't year. the year with Pickett. It's the following year. And now we're in the following year, and you're telling me that the answer is in the following year. Yeah indeed i mean Kate, right. what's his name i do think this is that the picket uh the picket and who was the other guy mc- uh who's the guy that we liked out of liberty uh malik willis malik willis um how about this who are these prospects is it is a.r richardson a more promising pick than malik willis Yes,
1: for a few different reasons.
4: Well, he's, he's like, going Cam to be, almost, he's, he's going to be valued
1: higher, and but he is being compared to Cam Newton from a physical perspective and the things that he's capable of doing. That's what people are saying. Um, uh, but he is so he played in the sec much better competition than wherever Liberty, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, um, danger duck, what, man, four, forgive us, we're from North Carolina, bro. Let's go, uh, yeah, I agree. And I'm just saying this, is you guys told me this was the year to wait, and now you're telling me next year is the year. I never told you
1: that this was unquestionably the year to
4: wait. A lot of people did, though, on the internet. A lot of draft people said, oh, Pickett and whatever his name is, who I've already forgotten, Malik Willis, they're like uh, reaches. Next year is the deep class. Now we're in next year, and it's next year is the year. I agree though I don't think anybody's pro I think everybody's got flaws right now, and I don't think any of these are guys that are more polished than Trevor Lawrence was coming out, more polished than Jim burrow Joe burrow was coming out, and arguably cam either none of these guys are more accomplished or better than cam was coming out of college, and they thought cam was a project you number two too- you want to know why the
5: the price of these quarterbacks are so much higher right now is because when you look at the landscape of the NFL, there are so many great quarterbacks, you're not going to compete until you have one.
4: You're either in the land of a quarterback or you're in the land of not having a quarterback. I mean, is this what it just comes down to? Yep. And we just want that feeling again. Remember what I told you, Cody, on your front porch. When Cam Newton was in the game, it didn't matter who the fuck. We could have Brandon LaFell. Hell, we could have Shy Smith and Terrace Marshall Jr. and Brandon LaFell and I would have more, co- like, I feel like, man, we got a chance. We got a fucking chance. I want to be in that land again. Let's go to, I bet you, I feel like this is Joey the Blind Panther.
10: Oh. You know yeah. who the fuck it ain't. Boycat, boy. boycat! Boyca! It is, Joey. This is Joey the Blind Panther. But I got to talk to my brother, G Baby, for a second here. Well, let me tell you something about being a sports fan, bro. I know I'm usually not too... Uh, I don't usually hold back with you, but let me tell you something. No matter what team you pull for, and this will apply to literally everyone, including me. No matter what team you pull for, you're going to get your heart broke, my man. It's just going to happen. You know, it, it sucks. It really does suck. But, you know, just look at it as that abusive ex-girlfriend who you always think about when you're drunk because she's got the golden coochie you just can't stay away from. No matter how much time you she calls you, me. she calls you gay. But you just keep running back to her. You know, that's how I feel about the Carolina Panthers sometimes. And gee, baby, I hate to break it to you, but it doesn't matter if you're rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs right now, dude. Especially if you have some negative tendencies. Yeah, you, you, heartbreak is just the name of the game, my dude. Anyway, guys. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, and also before I go, (laughs) um, I saw in the comments uh, that the Colts would try to move up to number one because Jim doesn't want Frank Wright to succeed. Well, here's my new goal. Whenever the the Super Bowl goes to Indianapolis, we need to be in it. Because fuck Jim Merce and Chris Ballard. We're going to win the Super Bowl in their fucking stadium. And then we're going to tell them to eat shit. Yo, Jim Merce, here's the Lombardi trophy that that I didn't get under your uh, ownership because you're fucking stupid. Anyway, I'll hit you with another one. For your birthday, Cody, happy birthday from one handicap to another. Appreciate you, bro. Wow, wow, wow. Hey.
1: Good job. My crippled brethren. Shout out
4: to to Joey. You guys make our show better. You guys make our show better by calling in, subscribing, being part of the conversation. There's a cool uh, conversation going down on Discord every day. You can join the Discord channel. You can just basically, the more we talk about the Carolina Panthers, the more this podcast will grow. So just get on the internet, like, subscribe, follow, and engage. Engage. Hell, tell Tony that he is fucking old and dumb. Or tell Cody he's so young and green that David Geddes would have... Man, Cody would have had such a hard on for David Geddes. He is the type of player that you would have loved. That's all I'm saying. You would have loved him. I think we got one last call. Let's see what they got to say.
3: Yeah, I don't know why you guys keep talking about Anthony Richardson like he's new Cam. I watched Cam in college. I watched this guy in college, Anthony Richardson. I'm from Florida, South Florida, but not North Florida, but it is what it is. I watch him all the time. He is not Cam, bro. Cam won every game in college, every single game in college that he played. Anthony Richardson won probably like six or seven games in his, in his last year. Come on, man. He's not the same player. Don't get fooled by the stats. Don't get fooled by the talent level that you see because it's not there, bro. Don't get fooled by the, I don't know, It looks like he, man, plays like Jane, bro. Uh,
4: that's my call of the night right there. That is my call of the night and not to shit on Richardson, but sometimes we've got to remember the love we had, the, the, what we had that was so great. And the cam Newton will always be the standard. I asked my friend, this guys, um, how do you, until someone replaces or excels at that position, they're always going to be the comparison. And what I mean, you guys keep telling me, don't talk about Julius Peppers anymore. Don't talk about Julius Peppers. But no one has been better at defensive end in a Carolina Panthers jersey than Julius Peppers. People tell me not to talk about Cam Newton anymore. The, The only way for us to put those people in the past officially is for someone to eclipse their meaning to us or to at least parallel it or reach the similar height. You know, Luke Keekly will be the standard and say, uh, Sam Mills was the standard until, you know what I'm saying? is like, until they're replaced. And so we will not stop talking about Cam Newton until someone is actually better than him. Cause he's the last great at that position. And he was fucking amazing. Yeah. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a more accomplished NFL player, and he wasn't like that in college. You know, he didn't. Cam, though, you're right. It's like you got to be careful how you casually throw around and not people like someone did it in the show or whatever. I think that's what he's talking about is remembering, like, don't diminish the past greatness because you see some sort of trait in that person that's resemblant. I don't know. I mean, I think that's um,
5: a thing. A lot of people are saying the, the comparison, right? It's okay to say that they're similar. Nobody is saying that he is Cam Newton. Nobody is saying he is the guy. Like they're saying that he has the potential to be like Cam Newton in a lot of ways, but not a single person is saying he is Cam Newton, right? There's just traits that are similar. And I think that that's a fair thing to say about a guy like, like, uh, like,
4: uh, like uh, Anthony Richardson, um, if we could give uh, Cam some the credit, we really probably should extend to Cam right here. Is that Cam has created a world where we can see success in players like Anthony Richardson, Lamar Jackson, uh, even uh, Josh Allen. Their game, Cam proved that that game is like uh, that can work. And the narrative that quarterbacks who were athletic, you think today people still talk about pocket presence, but you know what is without Cam Newton, we were Anthony Richardson would be a seven, a, a fifth round pick, right? They would say, Oh, he can't be that Lamar Jack. Like, it's like they created, it's an evolution of acceptance and now you have coaches like Frank Reich saying, "This is the game, bro. This is the game." People, it's just hard to remember that just a decade ago, Cam was the guy that ushered in this era of freak athletic quarterbacks. Are you guys ready to put Jalen Hurts in uh, in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL? I think I mean, there's I'd a real him in the converse.
5: Th- I put him in the top ten,
6: yeah, I need to see one more year of solid play for. I think he's like a top top guy, but he's definitely top ten, I think,
4: yeah people would continue to doubt him. I've been
1: saying it like this, guys like or okay, Cam Newton died so that quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Justin the Fields sacrifice. can live.
5: He's yeah, nice, be, like, he, he, he,
1: he paved the way for the big, strong, dominant physical freak at the quarterback position that can make all the throws and burn you with his legs, you know? So, I yeah, Cam, I don't know if Cam will ever get the credit he deserves. I mean, that's kind of a conversation for another time, but... It's not that if
4: he gets the credit, we just shouldn't forget the credit. And I think that this is sometimes you hit pivot points or momentum points that reset the game. And you could probably put Patrick Mahomes in this category right now. And what I mean is Patrick Mahomes, the kind of creation vibe he gets where he can flick it, where he can do this stupid behind, like, He's like dishing it like Magic Johnson out there. I think that before people saw that as gimmicky, and Patrick Mahomes made the sidearm throw a legitimate part of the NFL. Uh, a legitimate part of his game. No, like everybody does it now. Herbert does like every like we see. Philip Rivers been doing attribute. it for years. No, he just ridiculous. Matt Stafford
1: to a degree. No, but Tony's right though in that. He has popularized it in a way that now it's like a prerequisite for quarterbacks coming through the draft.
4: Right. If you can't do that.
1: Right. Can you make the off platform throws? Can you throw the ball from different arm angles to be able to get the ball around defenders? Uh, Yeah. I mean, Tony's right in that regard. He has popularized. um, how, How about this? Even before Patrick Mahomes, Quarterback coaches were very strict on mechanics, and that's what I'm saying. Right, there is a certain position that your arm is supposed to be in when you're throwing the football to this level of the field. And Patrick Mahomes said, "Nah, man, I'm gonna play backyard football and do it my way." And now people are kind of looking for those traits in quarterbacks, and that's what Caleb Williams is looking like right now for USC. He can make all the throws from the crazy arm angles, and he can run like a running back.
4: Let me ask you this real quick. I know we shouldn't be falling into these ra- these uh, black holes, holes. but uh, who changed the game of football more, like the lasting impact on the game of football? Eli Manning, who had two Super Bowls, or Cam Newton? Eli Manning or Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I th- like, I think it- they changed the type of game. It can't ever be the same now. But what just out of curiosity, why are you using Eli Manning? What about two Eli? Two Super Manning? Bowls. Two Super Bowls. He's a remarkably accomplished Okay, football, I, I from that. a great pedigree family. Like he is a Hall of Famer. But what did he change about the game? He won two That's super That's what I'm balls. saying is like, he's a Hall of Famer, but I think that Cam Newton and Patrick they've had a larger impact. They're like the Air Corel, like where you introduce a new offense, right? They yeah, Eli might be more accomplished. <laughs> Eli, but wanted Cam the Newton school, right? legitimized the athletic quarterback, right? Cam Newton made it fun to be a quarterback.
5: Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, can't like when you look think about can't, quarterbacks before, you didn't have quarterbacks having fun. Now you have quarterbacks out there dancing. You have quarterbacks having a good time. You have quarterbacks, and I think that has to do with the. The you know there being a reality that's set in with these players like I do have the ability to do what this guy's doing and they go out and they work their you know butts off to make it happen. Cam huh. Newton definitely was a catalyst for that type of stuff, and Mike Mike Vick was the catalyst for Cam Newton's uh, generation of quarterbacks. Right, so I mean there's there's a lot of uh, building on the on the pedigree of other players, and and Cam Newton certainly is uh, is a part of that, and I think he deserves to be uh, respected for that.
4: All right, let's move on Uh, We got a a few more things Actually, we do have a lot still to talk about Uh,
1: We named it We'll zip zip through it You know Uh, And it's not really much Uh, Bradley Bozeman You know, we're wondering when when he could potentially uh, Get a franchise tag Or they might Sign him to an extension Today was the opening day for that So the Panthers can now Make these designations and I just personally hope that uh Bradley Bozeman is gonna be signed again very soon.
5: I believe it was you. one of
1: the most important parts of our offense last year.
5: There is not a single shot in hell that they let Bozeman go. Agreed. Sorry. I'm just saying there is not a there's not a single chance that I believe that this team is going to let him walk.
4: I, I agree. I don't think there is a single chance they even use the franchise tag. I agree. I, I think, I think they just a prioritize them yeah. in free agency and say, look, we respect it. Like, let's get it done. Um, and when I Googled teams like who, I forgot that it was the franchise tag day until I started thinking of what the show title was. Because really, we don't have anybody that should be tagged. Yeah. Like not, not a really. single person on this team should be tagged. Like we should just sign Bozeman and move on. And then we got the whole fucking lineup in the basis to kind of build from into free agency, but you don't have anybody whose deal is pressing right now. Yeah. So it really is badly Bozeman. That's pretty much the guy.
1: Uh then how about this? JJ Jansen back with the Carolina Panthers the not you have the record number of snaps all time for a carolina panther player yeah i think jj is the, the man for Super games. cool dude he's just awesome you know hey dare i say it best long snapper in the nfl what's up boy get at me let's fight
4: uh here's your yearly reminder that the carolina panthers drafted thomas fletcher in the seventh uh. round only to cut him and then continue to resign J.J. Jansen for the next three years. Uh, some little salt in the wounds for you with those types of players. Drafting that guy where you could have had the, the, you getting point around the league to a seven like a player. Basically, Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant, last player. He didn't get cut. We cut that guy. Uh, but don't forget Harrison Butker kind of fits in that vein for us, except for we cut him and kept Gano, then let Gano go, and we're still continuing to find an answer or look for an answer at kicker. Wouldn't it be nice to have not drafted that long snapper and uh, kicked Gano to the curb? And it would have kicked butt to have Harrison Butker. This week, though, coming up, Cody... The NFL Combine. Oh, is hold on.
1: Before, before oh. we talk about the Combine, I forgot to put this in the slideshow, and I figured it would be good to talk about uh Robbie Anderson. Oh god. Mm-hmm.
4: This is awesome. Or should
1: I say formerly known as Robbie Anderson? Uh the man has changed his name to and okay, this is kind of what confuses me. I believe his name is Chosen Anderson. Like his first name is now chosen.
4: Yeah. His name is Chosen Robbie Anderson. If you look, so it says chosen, and then his middle name initial is R. So you would expect that to be Robbie unless he was Robbie Randolph Anderson or something like that.
1: Have you ever seen so much drama and news stories surrounding a player that's never done anything? (laughs)
4: Like, uh, dude, it's so crazy. What is the story? Um, John, tell me your last four digits, by the way. John Jenkins, hit me up with your last four digits because I might have just missed it. Um, what's bigger of a story here? Or what is the story here? Is this got anything to do with Cam Newton's kid? The only other person I've ever heard of named as chosen is Cam Newton's kid. So, like, I just feel like this isn't dramatic. I just think Robbie... And I hate to say this about someone. I think he's just dumb.
6: I think it's a cry for attention. It's like when a player's fallen off their peak and they know that maybe they're not going to get any better, but they're still craving that meta world piece. Same kind of thing before he changed his name. He kind of, he kind of fell off. He started to decline. Once he changed? I, I don't know, man. I think it was attack. that Ron
4: Artest it's Ron
6: Artest. test. Yeah. I think that's in a, I, think I just a, saw
4: him in a video dunk at 67 years old or something. Uh-huh.
6: No, it was good, attention. but
4: arenas. It was good, but arenas as well.
6: It might be, yeah. I, I, I just say let's like cry for attention. Uh, I don't think anybody's chosen Robbie Anderson to do anything except sit the bench at the Arizona, right?
4: Sure all right. Let's, let's get to this call. I did miss it. I found it. Thank you. Um, not intentional.
14: Hey, Panther family. Um, first of all, happy 11th season. I'm glad to be part of the second episode. As a caller, uh, this is John B. Jenkins. What up, John? I'm checking in. Anyway, um, Cody, specifically you, I wanted to see if you had watched any of the XFL this weekend. Um, I am such a geek for minor league football. Like, to me, that is like the ultimate reality PD. Watching these guys come up from like the European League of Football, the USFL, to the Dallas Cowboys. That would be Cavante Turpin. Um, it's just cool stories. Um, I won't get into too much of, of the XFL other than I did see all four games and the St. Louis Battlehawks had an had awesome comeback win and it was Austin Prohl who caught the game-winning touchdown.
2: Oh, and
14: apparently Ricky Prohl is his wide receivers coach and it was just a really cool moment to see. Um, in fact, they were interviewing uh, Austin right after the game and they were like, you know, Austin... Uh, you know how you know how how does it feel? You know, get that game, running a touchdown. He's like, I'm a pro. We're built for this. You know, I'm a pro. It was it was super cool. Um, but anyway, look for look for those guys. I mean, we got the XFL going on right now, and then the USFL is going to happen right after that. And you know, maybe these people don't get drafted into the NFL at the draft time, but there's going to be a lot of these guys that get picked up as undrafted free agents. You know, right after the draft, or mm-hmm right before training camp and if you guys want to watch some good reality tv check out the xfl then check out the usfl and then even the european league of football has got some great stuff going on in the summer so uh anyway that's all i uh, just want to call in happy 11th season and keep pounding you
11: know. cheers
4: uh, thanks for the call. i love the content this kind con- the call so amazing um austin Pro. Ricky Pearl's son went to East Carolina university and was very successful here at East Carolina and left a little. Well, I would, I would say he was successful, but he left or he wasn't very successful, but he was successful. Uh, His dad would come to eat to Greenville and come to some games, you know, while he was the head, I mean, the wide receivers coach for the Carolina Panthers So you're looking at Austin Prole, and you're you liking you're rooting for him, or I am anyway. He went undrafted. He left ECU a year early, went undrafted, and Minnesota ultimately picked him up on a rookie an undrafted free agent deal. He came in there. It was Jeff. It was Justin. Is it Jefferson? He was there already. It was uh, the other older guy, Thielen. and he would come on the radio station in Greenville. And was really like fighting for to be your shy Smith, Kony, Right? And then he got injured. And now you hear that though, and he's now in the XFL. Um, so that connection with Ricky Pro, and he really could potentially be a player in the NFL, but just a role player, I think. The funny part too about the USFL, today they had or yesterday they had their draft. And they draft players that, that like, the players haven't agreed to the draft. They pick players like a fantasy football team. And if those players don't go into the NFL draft, they get the rights to them. And if they decide to join the USFL, they have to sign with the team that drafted them. So today or yesterday, they did this. And there's a guy, Keaton Mitchell, who was the running back for the ECU Pirates. And this guy had the fastest touchdown in the in a, in the in college football this year or something like he went 22 miles an hour like he broke this one and he was like the fat, like they clocked it using that gps shit and it was like this dude is the fastest guy in the NFL and pads, I mean, in the college football and pads. So he got drafted by the New Orleans breakers or whatever this team is. And people on the internet and around ECU are going crazy. Like, Oh, this fucker left ECU early and he gets drafted in the USFL. He didn't actually do anything. He just woke up and he was drafted like he didn't like go into the usfl it's like he just woke up and he's preparing for the nfl draft and he got drafted into a a league that he is just going on in this parallel universe (laughs) and he's like i mean if he goes into it he's got to sign with this team and people are like what an asshole for leaving school early (laughs) this poor guy is just like working out today right
1: did uh Leighton Grant says he went to EC, uh, UNC, not ECU. Are you sure? Who that uh, Austin I Pro? Running, uh, no, I guess the the running back. No, Keith about.
4: Mitchell is from ECU, and Austin oh, Pro wow. went to East Carolina University.
1: By the way, real quick, a big thank you to Panther Gal. She's incredible. She comes in with not just the $5, not just seven dollars, but a whole nother she man, she sent me twelve dollars for me to go get some uh some Dunkin' Donuts or Happy Starbucks.
4: birthday. Happy birthday, Cody. But
1: hey, thank you to Panther Gal73. Thank um, you to everybody wishing me happy birthday. I as we tr- appreciate it.
4: As we try to cover the combine, Cody, let's pull up the schedule real quick. I think this is what do you want? What position groups do you want to watch in this combine? Oh, I mean, you already you can't know. watch I all mean, of I'm, them. Just tell me which ones you are excited about.
1: Well, no, you already know I am going to watch all of them. Uh, and, hey, you know, maybe one of these days, uh, for one of these, we will do a uh, a live stream, a watch-along. Tony and oh, I already kind late, of spoken bro. about it. Yeah, you know, we, we might, might do that. Um, but, no, I'm really excited for all of these. I'm really excited, obviously, quarterbacks and wide receivers to see what they're capable of doing honestly, a lot of the offensive positions Um, and, you know, a lot of the, uh, when you heard Scott Fidger say that we're in a position to take some explosive upside kind of players, you know, I feel like the offensive side of the ball is what he's talking about. So, uh, you know, quarterback, wide receiver, uh, offensive line, running back, basically the last couple of days, of the, uh, of the Combine this is more what I'm excited to look for. And by the way, this is where theoretically all the quarterbacks should produce all the clips that you're going to be seeing online. You know, how fast does Will Levis run in the 40? How fast does Anthony Richardson run? All these different quarterbacks. So it'll be interesting, man, especially if you're a Panther fan and we have so many options as to what we could do in the draft. Yeah, it's going to be fun. This is going to be a fun Combine.
6: You know what the coolest part about that run thing is, Cody, is when they take the person who's run it before and then make them very translucent and then make them run beside him, so you can see how this person ran compared to Derek Henry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. That's the only cool thing about that to me. Like, I think it's cool technology, but... Yeah. The
1: simulcast the, yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the different runs that they do.
6: Uh, oh, by the uh, way, it dawned on me. Apologies. No, go ahead.
1: go ahead.
4: Apologies real quick quick to Leeton Grant. Austin Pro was at Carolina. I'm thinking Blake Pro. No, All right, so I think they're three of the brothers. So I was wrong on that. Uh, Cody, Saturday, the quarterbacks. Saturday at 1, the quarterbacks are doing their exercises. Like, I think I'm ready to sit here and watch it with you. And you tell me. I mean, we got to watch quarterbacks. I think Thursday with defensive line. Now, you can't really learn but so much, I think, from the combine from being a mean, nasty defensive line. But, like, I'm interested. The two positions that I'm interested in watching at the combine would be D-line and quarterback Thursday and Saturday. Maybe we'll do a watch-along where we can hang out and watch those quarterbacks at the very minimum. Let us know if you guys would like to hang out we can't broadcast the stream obviously, but we could all sit around in a room and talk about what we're seeing, have a good time and hang out. Cody, what's next other than the schedule? I think we have, Oh, uh, we'll, we'll skip the, um, combine records. One of the things we'll, we'll talk about that next Tuesday is one of the cool things that's fun about looking at the combine is watching people put up crazy numbers and break records for the fastest 40 or something to that effect. And I think Greg brought it up earlier with Amari Barno or CK did that, that defensive end broke potentially a record for 40 times or whatever. Um, So let's just finish up with this, the couple of NFL news notes, and then we'll get into the ice up picks related to the Carolina Panthers. Jim Bob Cooter has signed with, uh, the Indi- or the Indianapolis Colts are going to be hiring what some people ultimately wanted to be the Carolina Panthers coaching staff, which is the Steichen as the head coach. And now Jim Bob Cooter, who the Carolina Panthers uh, interviewed here, will be with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, what do you think about the Colts hiring do you feel more confident about the Indianapolis Colts coaching staff or the Arizona Cardinals coaching staff who got the defensive coordinator? <laughs> who got the better deal? The Lions, the man. Who doesn't
1: love Cooter, bro?
4: Come on. No, the Colts. Colts. The Colts, mean. The Colts uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, Colts, whatever.
4: Whoever he goes to, Cooter. The Colts, Colts got the better no, deal. Because they, think, uh, yeah. Coordinators from the Eagles, right, CK? Both uh, yeah, Steichen the, comes the from. The coordinator went to Arizona. The offensive
5: coordinator went to to, to Indianapolis, I think the Indianapolis Colts have the better deal right now. I am curious, though. I know we were, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, since we're talking about it just for a second, have we heard much about Sean Payton's coaching
4: staff? Oh. In Denver? No, not too much. I've heard a lot about people leaving it. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. Then they've wanted to
5: retain people. I mean, we've, we've, we've literally stolen the, our defensive
4: coordinator from them. Yeah. And there was a another coach that has I saw was I don't know who it was, but does that kind of tell us something about is Peyton kind of one of those guys where it is about him?
5: I think that but I also think that their situation is still horrendous. Like, I I don't look at their circumstance and see them fixing it overnight. Right. they're gonna that's gonna be a,
4: a real overhaul to try to fix what's going on in Denver. Eric Bienemy is a is the offensive coordinator for the Washington commanders under Ron Rivera. Uh, clearly, we've talked ad nauseum in the football world about B' status. Um, should he be a head coach? Is this reflective of you know systemic racism in the NFL and to that effect, a lot of people said that Eric Bienemay shouldn't have gone to uh, to Washington at all. Um, so that was in the news. And then Sh- Le- Shady McCoy, what's his name? What's his first name? Whatever, McCoy. LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy. He came out and had and said this, and kind of took the uh, perspective that the people who were hesitant on Bienname weren't out of line entirely. And, and now people went up, got upset because he said, like, he didn't think he was going to be good or great. But what we've come to learn is this is bien is kind of in a funky predicament because he's in the shadow of Andy Reid. Was. Or was, you're right. Yeah, was. Mm-hmm. And he was also the run game coordinator, a former running back, I believe, in the NFL. And he wasn't involved in the passing game on that Kansas City Chiefs team from what we're hearing now and they never even ran the ball in Kansas City so yeah I mean would you ever bet on prize picks on a Kansas City running back? No I wish I would have in the
6: Super Bowl I would have won a whole lot more money (laughs) that was the
4: one time Yeah, but he uh, is in a tough predicament so a lot of people in the news have been talking about that Uh, Robert Griffin III talking about that and then the final thing that we do just mention in the news: Daniel Jeremiah set the world on fire today, Cody. He really pissed off the Carolina Panther fans with his mock draft. Uh, and I think he did. We put it. We didn't put it up here. What happened today, man? He went. Look, he said this. Is there? This is because of Panther fans. Arguably, February 4:37 p.m. today. This story came out today. He said when mock draft comments start to get to me, I do what every wise person should do. I watch a the and they watch like he had to get away from Twitter. So I think Panther fans fucking came after Daniel Jeremiah today, Cody, because he said we should draft an offensive lineman at nine.
1: Yeah, they had this taking Will Skonkowski, the offensive tackle out of I believe it's K State. I'd have to
4: look. He he's Western. Uh, I think it was Northwestern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah,
1: because it went to the same one as um his uh, grandfather Slater, was a... old buddy from the Chargers now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I think that it's impossible. If you're Daniel Jeremiah and you have the job of drafting, doing mock drafts for all these different teams, like there's no way that they can be keyed in on the actual needs of every single team and what they should be doing. So in a way it was like kind of unfair to him a little, but at the same time, it's also, you know, it's not a surprise that the Panthers need a quarterback. And if you're on Panthers Twitter, no one can stop talking about the Panthers drafting a quarterback. So yeah, of course they were going to get all pissed off about it, but whatever. I like Daniel Jeremiah. Yeah,
4: yeah, let's get into the cat call. I meant not the cat calls, the ISO picks. Let's ice uh, up. get these fools.
1: I guess I have to. It's okay. It. Uh, this yeah. is
4: where Ice
11: saw, son. Ice up.
4: Welcome to the longest running segment on the longest running Panthers podcast where we pay homage to Steve Smith and we step outside the boundaries of life. Uh, Nothing is off the grid. Nothing is unfair game. As we tell someone to ice up, toughen up to get it together. We've iced up 12 year old kids in Oklahoma that we've never met or I have. I've iced up myself. I've even iced up my wife on this podcast and that is a big risk in life who are we telling to ice up toughen up together mine is like a three combo so I feel like it needs to be middle okay
1: yeah, that's fine I mean I'll, I'll go first I don't have a video or anything to show today um, but I had I saw this on Twitter and it really got me going man and you know especially on Twitter I try not to speak about things of a political nature, largely because I fucking hate politics. And if you're Democrat or Republican, I hate you equally. Like, I don't care, man. Politics is so shit to me. But uh, the New York Times put out an article. If you didn't know, there was a train derailment in Ohio, and it spilled a ton of toxic chemicals into the community of East Palestine. It's in northern Ohio. And it's been a big deal. And the mainstream media outlets, for a large part, have not been talking about it. And when they do, they say some shit like this. This is from the New York Times. After a train carrying toxic material derailed in Ohio this month, right-wing commenters have been particularly critical of the response, using the crisis to sow distrust about government agencies and suggest that the damage could be irreparable. So this really kind of pissed me off because... Yeah, so what I put was, so let me get this straight. To be critical of oil and chemical companies polluting our environment while showing outrage towards the government's painfully slow response is all of a sudden a right-wing issue now? Dude, it really pissed me off. It super upset me because in today's culture, we have to frame everything as right and left, Democrat and Republican. It's not like we can just say, hey, oil spill bad maybe we should take care of average everyday americans that are suffering because of incompetence on the part of government regardless of if it's fucking democrat or republican so to the new york times and this you know bullshit government rag that does nothing but spit propaganda ice up son
4: Ice Blood. up, ice up. And on the heels of that, this was my, this is my haymaker. This is like my real ice up. And then I have to give you my fun ones, right? Because it can't just be us jumping off a bridge. Uh, representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, I'm pretty sure she's a representative. I'm not sure if I said that. Yeah, Congresswoman. I didn't want to uh, misspeak. She put this on Twitter. Uh, and this sent me into that spin that you were in, Cody, about like where just something grabs a hold of you a little bit more than you know yeah. that it should. And uh, this one really pissed me off. Like it was on my mind yesterday. Marjorie Taylor Greene, she said, "We need a national divorce." Uh, and she's a congressman. She said, or a congresswoman. She said, "We need to separate by red and blue states and shrink the federal government." Everyone I talk to says this from the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous, treacherous, traitorous traitorous American last policies, we are done. Uh, so the first thing that sent me into a spiral on this is how casually she's throwing, I mean, like. It's she doesn't she, she's so dumb that she doesn't recognize that that means a civil war
1: oh that's why a civil war was trending on Twitter this morning
4: yeah no she doesn't recognize that that's what that and then the other thing she's so dumb to recognize is that just because there's red and blue states it does that acts like we're just like a singular political response in the in states, her own right? fucking state she has two lip like there's a the two senators are Democrats She's not even in the state that she wants. She's in the wrong color. Mm. And then on top of this. So, I mean, this is like, you can't casually throw this. This is like someone who says like, man, I'll fuck you up. I want to fight. And then when the person says they really want to fight, they're like, oh shit, I didn't want to fight. She's throwing around language. As a, and and this ain't just someone on Twitter. This is a fucking Congresswoman. Mm-hmm. That is the, uh, the this is actually traitorous talk if there's anything. And on top of that, it's just unpatriotic at the very least, the very minimum. But for all those fucking woke ass liberalists, there was a time where people said this same ass shit. A bunch of southern slave owners used to say this about some woke ass abolitionist northerners all the time. So, like, shut the fuck up, lady. We are, you know what? I'm icing up the people of this this fucking voting district. I'm icing up our republic for electing idiots like this. We need to elect better. We need to elect people of the caliber of Frank Reich, Jim Caldwell. That's the type of leadership and integrity we need in politics. That caliber, that competency. That we just got for the Carolina Panthers. We have fucking C players in Congress. If even that, if they're average, you know what? The over. How about this? Is Brandon LaFell better than Marjorie Taylor Green? (laughs) Hmm, Maybe that is my ice up pick uh, for there. And I did want to just do these because fuck, it's it it sent me it sent me in the crazy one. Sent me in the crazy talk. Let me just do these just to lighten it up because you know I get out of this lady's stupid shit. Um here we go. This is fun. So this dude let me get this up. This guy goes in to rob a uh, a um, gas station. And the tweet says this, he looked away. And if you just look at this,
2: let's see we're doing
10: Go
4: to the you, you, Give me a Look at this. So he comes in. He thinks he's a badass. Go
10: to the you, you, Give me a <laughs> Did
4: that dude did do a casual shot on him? Uh, I can't stop it now. The, yeah, I don't know what it is. He shoots or something. No, the guy that comes in to rob the store... Comes in, robs, shows a gun for a half second. Then he tries to get this guy. He starts paying attention to this customer just standing away. And in the moments that he looks away and he thinks that he's in control, the guy behind the counter pulls out a gun and shoots his ass. That's
6: what I was so, wondering, was it a gun or a taser? Could, yeah, yeah.
4: No, I think he, man, like if you go into a place and rob it, you guess, I guess you have to be ready uh, to get shot if they fall back. I mean, if they fight back. And here is another Mm -hmm. example of someone going into Walmart. This one's fun to me. Have You guys seen this one? No, this is great. So look, this looks like an encounter between a wall. I think this person just to kind of give you a little heads up. This looks like a Walmart employee. This person on the left guys at Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> or at or least somebody. Guy. It looks Walmart-ish, and then this is clearly a customer.
10: <laughs>
6: what? He deserved it, it looks like. <laughs> Hard to see. Yeah, let me see. Again. Don't have turn, turn your back
10: on his oh.
1: oh, he had that
4: slow reaction. Yeah, so she dude. Hit him and hit. I think he slipped on something. No, I think no, 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 He, no, got, no. Dude, out. he got. He, got he was out before he hit the ground. Went. I think uh, he slips on something and hits his head. No, dude. He got knocked. Oh, He's he knocked out right here. Yeah, oh, he's, no. he's knocked out right there. Oh, yeah, he is.
6: Yeah, yeah, he's
1: knocked out standing yeah, up.
6: Yeah. Is it the punch? Yeah, yeah, she, it's the punch. She, she cold clocks him. He doesn't, he's not prepared for it.
4: Yeah, I can't see the actual punch. Oh, oh there go it is. It's, it, dude. All- <laughs> it's Yeah, all- dude, all- he got his but shit rocked. This motherfucker tried to buck up against this girl at the Walmart buster with the damn car and he <laughs> not the fuck the we deserve <laughs> the, the dude's an absolute idiot because he freaking <laughs> turned
5: around like what how are you that dumb that you're about to turn around after getting into like like that is the stupidest move you could <laughs> possibly make yeah. as somebody getting uh-huh. in an office like you know what I've shown you I've I've shown you everything I can. I'm gonna turn my back to you and just pray to God that you're not gonna hit me in the back of the head. <laughs> but
4: she weighed like hundred and twenty pounds and she knocked him the fuck out. I she probably guns had a Frazier. She probably had a fistful of nickels, dude. That's my ice up pick. So you guys finish it out. <laughs> you go ahead It made Kirk. my day better. All right um i didn't really have a ton of ice picks but i figured out really simple it's
6: just just look up something joe biden just type in joe biden in google and you can find something funny to talk about so just y'all help me figure out what he's trying to say here tell me if you get lost in this this sentence too because i don't i can't understand what he's saying uh do it with sound let's see can y'all hear it yep yes
8: them all you have demonstrated you've shown your strong stand against aggression in the face of the
7: imperial
4: appetites of autocrats who wrongfully believe you might, you might, they, they might be able to make might right. And they're not able to do it. Thus far, <laughs> not, <laughs> to what not that bad. You, know, you
13: have,
9: but you it's have to. Can I just yeah. say that of all the idiots in all the idiot villages, in all the idiot worlds, you stand alone, Agreed. Mike.
6: <laughs> I just can't understand what this guy says at the time. You know, Tony, you're talking about um, the the State of the Union. Uh, the State union I think he just bombed on that. I think he just bombed on the State of the Union. You can tell that he front loaded stuff that people wanted to, because people were not going to watch the whole thing. So he front loaded stuff he wanted people to hear at the beginning that didn't make any sense. P- the people behind him were ready to stand him and clap, like they're watching the teleprompter behind and like in front of him, like just waiting for him to get finished that sentence so we could stand up and clap. It was just so fake. And the the guy's a terrible public speaker. I just, I just, I just don't, I don't understand
5: why people can't see this in Biden. I would, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if the Democratic Party let him be the running, let him be the uh, nominee for the next election. That's the saddest part about it, I think. Look at this.
2: He he did a
6: thing with Clinton the other day, and Clinton did an interview with him, and they were at some kind of thing together, right? Clinton, who was a president 30 years ago, is now four years younger
4: than Joe Biden. Just saying. Clinton was also the youngest president since John, uh, John F. Kennedy at but the time. He was time, president 30 though.
6: years ago, and he's
4: younger than the current president. And Biden is the <laughs> oldest president, I think, in history.
5: Yeah. Is that yeah, right? He's got to be. So, he might yeah, be the oldest we've ever had. It's, 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 it's and he's going to start World War III, by the way. Yeah. So I'm slicing um, up Joe Biden but uh but so I'll go with mine uh, mine is also in the vein of of you know maybe on the vein of more conspiracy theory than anything else um, and it's gonna kind of touch based on what Cody had talked about which was this uh, Ohio um, train wreck that had uh, taken place with that chemical spill and everything there's a lot of inconsistencies that had occurred with that you know one they've admitted that they were not upfront about the um, the amount of toxins that were actually, are the different types of, you know, chemicals that were involved. Um, They've also, uh, there's, so vinyl chloride is the biggest one, I think, right? They, and this is something I watched a video on, so again, this is not my own personal research, it's something else um, that somebody else had done. But the CDC, I believe, has a, uh, like almost an info sheet on vinyl chloride, right? They they hadn't updated it since 2004 or something like that, 2006. And about 11 days before the train wreck, in the first time in 17 years, they updated the info sheet for that specific chemical right before the accident that happened. Right, So that's one. And they actually updated it with less information about how to protect your kids from it, how to do like the cancer aspects to
4: it. What's the name of it again? Vinyl chloride. I think the the name alone sounds ridiculous. Right. Um, and so
5: that, that, that part is interesting, right? The other part is when you start to really dive into this, they also had a movie just recently that released called white noise that had Adam driver on it, uh, as the star. And it was basically the exact plot of this movie. Now, <laughs> here's what's weird about it. It was filmed in the same area. And actors from the, the like actual extras were from this town. And when, you, mm. when I say it's like, it is just so... Like, go watch White Noise. The first half of the movie is all you need to watch. It's a weird movie. The first half is all that matters. It is unbelievably just pinpoint accurate to what they've got going on right now in Ohio. And that just released this year or last year, uh, early last year, late last year on Netflix. And all of this stuff that's happening is just absolute, just craziness. Because now you think about that combined with all this stuff with the spy satellites, with the fact that this world war three stuff is about to start you know, really taking- Russia flight.
4: and China meeting together.
5: Russia, China meeting together. Uh, Biden <sighs> making a trip to the Ukraine, causing a literal, like, causing Putin to, with like, to suspend his treaty with America with, the, with regards to nuclear uh, sites. Like, th- this is, like, escalating quickly, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, and so the world is just in a weird spot, and the fact that the government continues to lie to us and that uh, we've just have these weird inconsistencies that you can't really pinpoint why, but it's just, it's too coincidental for it to not be associated with something. There's too many of those that have been happening. I just don't understand it, but uh, I'll let everybody else do the, you know, smart research that I'm not capable of doing to find out, but it's just, uh, I just wanted to point
4: that out. So um, ice up. Ice up. Ice up. That's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by, carolinacatchronicles.com where every tuesday night into wednesday morning we chop up the latest panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective got a lot of cool stuff on uh, youtube's the youtube's convince me to care where cody lashney tries to convince the curmudgeon dad to care what the irony about this is is that he doesn't care about david Geddes, and i don't care about fucking shy smith that though is a fun show where Cody Lashney trying to attend in the first episode, my man tried to teach me tried to t- convince me to draft a fucking tight end at nine. What about a- guns,
1: please, baby, what else do down
4: goes Fraser. down goes <laughs> Fraser again, but we got a lot of good content. We're close to 5,000 views. I mean, subs hit us up, man. We've been growing and it's growing because we want this to be a community. I don't want this show to be about me. I want it to be about us. Cody Lack, how can they get after you as we engage in that community?
1: Yes, sir. You can find me at Cody Lack, C-D-O-D-Y-L-A-D-C, um, on Twitter. Uh, this Thursday, there's going to be a brand-new mock draft up on drafttech.com where I write comments for the Carolina Panthers and make draft picks for the Carolina Panthers. So check that out. That's drafttech.com. And every Friday at 7 p.m., We've got the most inclusive Panther podcast show that there is in all of YouTube's land, man. It's the C3 Friday free-for-all every Friday at 7 p.m. You can be a part of the show. Join the show via StreamYard, just like we're doing right now, and tell us what you think about these Carolina Panthers and these coaches that's every Friday at 7 p.m.
4: CK, make a moist one last time. Yeah,
5: you can find me on social media under codizzle.com alan but uh and here obviously we'll be here uh,
4: every tuesday and uh hopefully some more content um and uh yeah just right now saturday of the combine not this saturday but the following saturday let's shoot for a watch along we'll bring people in as many people kind of do it like friday free-for-all style maybe Mm -hmm. and watch uh the combine come and go Right. Because that's not one of the things that you need to sit all day. Like, that's the great thing about the combine. You can like clean your house and watch it at the same time. So you watch it for 20 minutes and then you go do something and come back, Uh, Greg. So we might do those watch alongs, but they can watch along with you at times talking about uh, really the coolest things that aren't the Carolina Panthers. How can they get after you? All kinds of stuff,
6: man. You can find me at the Daddy 52 on Twitter and uh, check out my other show, Geeks Chasing Squirrels Across the Multiverse. 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. We cover all kinds of different media books, television shows, movies, all the fun stuff out there. We watch it, talk about it, and keep up with it as it goes. And then during the basketball playoffs, there may be another playoff podcast that pops up temporarily to test the waters just to see, just so we can show everybody why the NBA playoffs are so much
4: better than the NFL playoffs. (laughs) That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. I said, get us is, out, of get yeah, out of here. Let's get out of here, Cody. Go. God, you know what? That's dumber than betting on Sha Smith. <laughs> yeah, that's dumber than anything else Tony said in the past uh, few weeks. Any
6: team can win a game any day. It takes the best team to win best out of seven. That's all I'm saying. And it the best only takes them always two fucking
4: years as we all go to sleep between the <laughs> least physical game, and they have to take more days off than damn NFL. Get us out of here, Cody Lashley. We don't take days off.
9: MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
14: Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at
7: American-Giant.com Mike. That's American-Giant.com Mike.